Good evening, Vacaville. Welcome to the January 10th, 2023 council meeting, first of the year. With that, can we begin with a roll call? Council Agency Authority Member Ritchie? Here. Silva? Here. Chapman? Here. Roberts? Here. Wiley? Here. Vice Mayor, Vice Chair Stockton? Here. Mayor Chair Roulette? John Farley here. That's okay. Here we go. That's Mayor okay. Chair Carly. I'm here. With that, will you stand with me for a moment of silence? Councilmember Roberts, pledge. pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Well, thank you all. Uh, for those of you who may not have received an agenda, I believe there's more printed in the back uh, foyer, so there'll be more available to you. Uh, with that, uh, we'll go to item two, approval of the agenda. Motion approved. Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 All right. So let's go to the approval of the minutes. Motion approved the minutes. Second. All in favor? Aye. Okay. Moving right along. It looks like we have no presentations. So to item six, consent calendar. Does any member of the of the council wish to pull any item from the consent agenda? That one. All right, anyone else? Does any member of the public wish to pull an item that's on the consent agenda? Hearing none, we'll bring that back. We just need to adjust and amend. Do you want to say something? Okay. So um, do I have a motion to approve the consent agenda minus F? Motion approved. Second. Right. Say to minus. minus F, okay. All in favor? Aye. 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 So 6F. You want to bring something to the floor? There you go. Yeah, so I just wanted to bring up item 6F, uh, Capsano, which is the uh, Solano County, essentially homeless roundtable where all the cities get together. Uh, I just wanted to bring up, have discussion regarding the appointments. Well, I see that yourself is on there, uh, Mayor Farley, as well as Vice Mayor Stockton. Uh, well, I think both of you guys do a fantastic job at that because your passion is for homeless. The only issue I do have with it is with Mayor Bird, Councilmember uh, Hendershot, Mitch Mashburn, Councilmember Stockton, and then yourself, that's five law enforcement members on the homeless roundtable. I know Councilmember Hendershot does have some background in veterans, but I'd like to be considered for this position with my background in the military and working with all the veterans associations in the county. I think it's uh, much needed voices. That's one of the major demographics for homeless persons. So. Yeah, listen, this is one of those where the recommendation I know goes mm -hmm. to the vice mayor is the, the primary recommendation yeah. and what was recommended by staff was a selection for me as an alternate. 
that that alternate position isn't set in stone. It could go to anyone on the council based upon the approval. I, I certainly believe that what we're going to discuss tonight, there's a lot of commissions yeah. and commission appointments. So while we hadn't had a chance to talk about this yeah. prior to tonight, mm -hmm. I'm certainly open uh, to that adjustment assignment for this from the county perspective. So for that, I would certainly acquiesce to you if that's something that you want to do. Um, yeah, I mean, it's ultimately up to council and yourself. Um, I just think there's a slight over-representation over of law enforcement on the homeless yeah. committee for the county, and I'd like to see more veteran representation on there because, yeah, the disproportionate amount of veterans are homeless compared to the general population. Oh. Uh, so I don't know if we can move this to the... Well, um, what we'll do is we'll open this up to the, to the public oh. at first. Yeah. Uh, if anybody from the public wants to discuss item... Uh, this, this particular item that's before us now, you can come and I'll just bring it up to the floor. Seeing none, I'll bring it back to the council. Anyone wish to comment on this? Vice Mayor Stockman. Yes, thank you, Mayor. I just wanted to say it has absolutely been a privilege to be a part of the new Cap Solano. Um, I was on the original two by two with just one city. And um, by working with them, with former council member Nolivan Sullivan, we were able to collectively get every single city in the county to work together regionally on homelessness. So it's something that I'm very proud of, very passionate about, that um, has been moving um, in a positive direction. And I'd like to stay and continue to make sure that it does move in that direction. But I um, certainly am willing to entertain um, and hear my colleagues' uh, thoughts on that. But ultimately, I, I think it's something that is new. I think that homelessness has often been worked on at a micro level. And now that we're kind of broadening the um, area that, and working together, um, I actually have some hope that we might be able to do something productive and helpful for our houseless citizens. So thank you. Councilmember Silva. Um, so, so it sounded like you're okay with having them do it, so I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, makes sense from the veteran perspective, absolutely. So I don't know if we can make a motion with the amendment. We'll wait on the motion real quick. There's more that want to comment. <laughs> when we get there, I think you'll make a motion. <laughs> <laughs> Councilmember Wiley. I'm also fine with that change, and I was going to make a motion as well, so. That's all I was going to do today. So I'll just end with my comments on this, and that is, um, for many of you, you're aware, uh, my prior role here in the city, one of the things that I was asked to work on going all the way back to 2014 was to, um, as the chief of police, to chair the Homeless Roundtable, which I really enjoyed doing. And, and um, this, this role doesn't preclude the way the city operates internally. This is just the role to work within uh, this JTA. And so there's a lot of work to be done in the area of homelessness. Um, there's a lot of nonprofits and faith-based organizations that we work closely with and will continue to do so. Um, we may even at a later time have a com other conversations about um, where we were with Homeless Roundtable. But there's a lot of interest on this, on this council, and so I, I certainly support that. So if I have a motion to amend the, the, um, the item, Somebody want to make that motion? I'll make a motion. Uh, is Council Member Stockton, our Vice Mayor Stockton, and Council Member uh, Roberts. 
So, so with that motion, if I understand it, it's the primary would be uh, Vice Mayor Stockton and the alternate would be Councilmember Rupp. Is that correct? Yes. Do I have a second? Clarification. I don't believe there's an alternate. I believe uh, both. They both attend every meeting. They both attend. But I would pledge that I would work with whether the alternate elected. Uh, is that clarified? Yeah. Okay, do I have a second? Okay, so we have a second. All in favor? All right. Aye. All right. So that uh, concludes consent. What we have next is going to open it up to business from the floor. Anybody wishes to address the council with something that's not on the agenda? Come forward. Good evening. Um, I had the opportunity to serve on city council for 12 years, made some good decisions, but in hindsight, there's some things that I would have done differently. Uh, particularly the 2014 general plan, comprehensive general plan. The first task we had to do is identify plan growth areas. And Roberts, we looked at your area and there were hills and water wars with some of the developers and the council was laser focused on acquiring land for detention basins. Silva, we looked at your area. Uh, you had a within small Fruitvale where we wanted to annex. There was no opportunity to annex the city. And you were with the airport and the city was very concerned about encroachment issues. So consequently, all the growth is in Stockton, Wiley and Ritchie. And so currently we have 70% of our population that reside east of Peabody and between 505 and 80. So if somebody's in Stockton's district, they have to drive 6.4 miles to go to the senior center. Richie, 4.3 miles. The mistake that I made was I don't think I put enough emphasis on city services in those growth areas. So I'm asking council to fix that issue tonight and geographically spread out city services. I'm asking council to assess three properties that might be used to put a senior center and a community pool. The first property is Yolata Center next to the library. That's a perfect spot for a senior center. It has a bus stop. It also has parking and would probably be the least, the least um, expensive alternative. The second property I'm asking you to look at is next to Maplewood. It used to be the Nancy Kittleson property. And it's currently, unless it's been changed, urban reserve, so it'd be a pretty easy fix. Uh, the beauty about that property is locating a senior center there is close to a lot of other seniors. Obviously, Leisure Town, just a couple weeks ago, you approved 1,143 houses of which 560 of those houses are age restricted. So it's a perfect spot for a senior center because this people that are using the private HOA senior center would also use this center depending on program offerings. And then finally, the last property site that I'd like you to consider is the Southeast corner of Elmira and Jepson Parkway. It's currently owned by the um, Catholic Diocese of Sacramento. And let's be honest, I don't think they're ever gonna be able to raise enough revenue to build a comprehensive high school. That would also be a great place for a senior center. The thing about those sites, they geographically fit our growth areas because other than Lagoon Valley and LB, there's no growth in anybody else's district except for those three. So uh, sometimes people come up here and they're not specific about the ask. Uh, and it's a communication style. I'm very specific about the ask. Either after the business from the floor, or if it's more appropriate during council comments, I'd like one of you to take the initiative and make the following motion. Respectfully through the chair, I make the motion we add an agenda item 
to a future council meeting authorizing the city staff to perform comparative analysis, feasibility of locating a senior center pool in one of the identified areas from business from the floor. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else wishing to address the council? Hi, um, I live on North, North Leisure, Leisure Town Road. Tongue tied here. Um, so, and anyway, um, I live in a country property. We have a 45 mile per hour limit, but people drive like they're on the highway there. Um, they race through our street as a back road to get to the freeway. And two of my neighbors have had their dogs killed by people speeding. Um, about 10 p.m. every night, somebody comes down and burns rubber down our street. It's like clockwork every night, 10 o'clock p.m. They're racing up our, our street there. Um, and we have dirt bikes go down our street at night. It's, it's like kind of out of control anyway. And it's gotten worse in the last few years. And any of us that have kids, we don't allow them to play in the front yard because of that. Um, my husband and I just put a nice fence up to kind of keep our kids away from the street because people are just speeding like crazy. Um, and I know in the North Village expansion project, there's been talks about closing our street down, making it a dead end, and then making the entrance to that project on the midway side. And I'm asking that um, you guys would listen to my request to please close down our street. And I'm speaking on behalf of a few of my neighbors as well that feel the same way. And we didn't come to the North Village meetings because that's not about our, our area that we live in. We live in the country. Um, the backside of the subdivision. So we missed that whole meeting, but I wanted to express my concerns about um, the speeding and we want the street closed. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. I'm her husband. <laughs> and I, I'm just here for another vote to close down the road. Um, and what she's saying with the 45 mile an hour uh, speed limit through there and not being followed. That's for most people. And I mean, people have gone as far as putting mannequins out in front of their house, trying to get people to slow down. Um, and I don't think it's fair to, to just try and lean on law enforcement. You see cops down at the, at the ends of the street sometimes to try and catch speeders, but to rely on that all the time is just, it's not right. It's unfair. It's, it'd be, um, it's, it's not practical to, to ask for that all the time. So um, we did see in the plans that that was one of the ideas was to close down the road. We we're a little bit excited about that, but we've also heard recently that that may not be the plan anymore. So if we're voting, uh, we would vote yes, please close the road down there. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Seeing none, close it. We're going to move on to, looks like there is no public hearings tonight. So from business 9A, what I'd like to do is, is really just introduce that there's a lot of people in this room that are likely going to want to discuss what this is. We're going to go through a presentation then. Myself and the city manager have had several conversations about what's the best process. And also the takeaway from this is, is we have been given an exercise as council, which has been a, a very uh, arduous one because there's probably over a thousand pages to review. And so but with that, I'll turn that over to you, 
Thank you, Mr. Mayor, members of the city council. This uh, first item for you tonight uh, under business is uh, allocating funds for nonprofits from ARPA. We have um, Amber Colden from our Housing and Community Services Department with a brief overview, which will then refer back to council to walk you through um, your scoring of these particular applications. So with that, I'll turn it over to Tamara. Good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor, and Council Members. Tonight's presentation pertains to the nonprofit grant program. For some background, the city received funding um, for the program as part of the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021 that was signed uh, by President Biden on March 11, 2021. The city was allocated in excess of $12,500,000 to aid in their recovery for, from the COVID-19 pandemic. Of the funding received, Council allocated $1.265 million to fund the nonprofit grant program. A request for proposals for the nonprofit grant program was released on October 3rd of 2022 and closed on October 24th of 2022. Uh, on November 15th, 2022, Council directed staff to return to a future Council meeting so that Council could provide feedback on the applications received. Subsequent, subsequently, it came to staff's attention that one application was accidentally left out of the initial list provided to council. That application was provided for your review and has been added to the list uh, being projected tonight. The total funding request for the 15 applications received is $5,849,151. With that, we are happy to answer any questions that you may have and receive feedback on the applications that you have reviewed. So one of the things that I've been in discussions with with the city manager is, is what is a good uh, process to follow? Obviously, in the in the staff report, just so you all are aware up here and also to the audience, is the uh, the process to get to this. Uh, we really appreciate all the work for those who have acted on behalf of the community and the nonprofits to submit the proposals and go through this process. But with that. Uh, what we're going to do is, is within this next steps, City Manager, if you've got any other comments that you want to make before I open it up to, to the public. Well, I think uh, just for everyone's benefit, what we're hoping to do tonight at, at the, the very least is to have council um, give their individual um, recommendations for the dollar amount tonight, and we will keep track of that, okay? And so um, that way everybody knows what has been put out there and then we'll turn it back to council for, for conversation about next steps. So with that, what I'd like to do is, is open it up to the floor if anyone wants to come forward. group that uh, have applied for funding from your uh, grant. We represent today 1,100 disabled veterans right here inside that veterans building right across the street. But I should point out to you that there's a lot of other veterans out there that we can and will help if we get funding to do that. 
you should know that there's 7% of California residents are veterans. You should also know that 37,000 veterans live in Solano County. I'm gonna break that down to point out that there's 8,900 veterans right here in Vacaville. And of those 8,900 veterans, you've got at least 3,200 of them that are disabled, that have varying degrees of disability, all rated by the Veterans Administration. It's our job to serve those veterans. Whether they're disabled or not, we are there to help them get through life as best we can. So we're here tonight to ask you for a lousy, measly $12,000 to help us get through the next uh, 18 months. I'm here to answer questions. I'm not here to spend a lot of your time. Uh, if there are any questions, I'm happy to answer them. If not, I'll go sit down. No questions? Thank you. Thank you. Okay, sorry. Yep, I don't want them to have to come. Sir, sir, I just want to clarify, there are multiple group, uh, groups run by veterans, local veterans that assist veterans, right? There are other, all right. Groups right across the street. Okay. Each one of the groups are formed and chartered by Congress to do different things. Yes. And our group chartered by Congress uh, back around World War One. Uh, is designed to help, primarily help disabled veterans and their families. Thank you. Does that help clarify? Yes, I just, I needed that to come I'm sorry? Back. I needed that to come back to, sir. Thank you. Okay. Come on down. Hi. Um, my name is Krista Poe, I'm with Team Backville. We are one of the organizations that are asking, asking to be considered for the funding. Whatever you choose to do, to be honest, you're picking amazing organizations to support in order to do something good for the community. I'm very grateful for that. But I would like to also be a little bit mindful of the fact that when we all applied for the grant, there's a time constraint on it that was initially supposed to start in December of 2022. And every month and every meeting that ticks by, we're actually losing opportunity to provide whatever it is that the money is supposed to provide. So I'm so please, <laughs> in the effort of cr creating this opportunity for the organizations, you're minimizing what that opportunity looks like by actually taking more time and more time and more time. Um, as an organization, we create our budgets every January. So we right now are looking at what we're doing for all of 2023. And I, in, in doing that, I don't even know if I have any money to spend since our um, fundraising has been directly impacted by COVID. So I'm looking out and I don't even know what my own future looks like. And I have people that are depending on me. So it's really important for you guys to take that into consideration when you're feeling some sort of expeditious manner of decision-making. <laughs> but thank you very much for your for letting me talk. Thank you. Come on up. John Bird, Vacaville. Um, I didn't plan on this, but I do want to support the DAV. My dad had a, what was a 
insignificant injury in World War II in Italy as he got old, as he aged, I should say, uh, those injuries, it became worse and eventually it was 100%. The DAV was always there for the old man. He deserved it. So I hope that you'll give him that and then more. Thank you. My name is Angelica Vargas, and I am a special needs teacher, special needs nanny, and special needs therapist for kids on the spectrum. So my, this is my world. I also represent Team Backerville. That is my fourth job, but my fourth job that I don't get paid for. But I do it anyways on restless nights where I'm up till 1 a.m. because the amount of time and effort that goes into these events is nothing compared to the joy when you see a special needs child conquer something that would never be possible outside of their normal lives. Parents fear taking their special needs child out into the community sometimes, and they never get to experience things like going to a movie, things you've probably taken your children to thousands of times. Um, so we work really hard to put these, event, these events on and create these opportunities in the community, also so it opens our community's eyes up to how wonderful, gracious, and joy loving these children are. So I just wanted to come down and kind of share why we're asking for this money and what that feeling in the end creates and amounts to. Because it's a dollar amount on paper, but it's an incredulous amount in our hearts. Thank you. Thank you. Seeing none, I'm gonna close comments from the floor and bring it back to the council. And before we, we step into this next <coughs> phase of, of this agenda item, I wanna just bring up um, a discussion and an idea to the council. I know that we're all going to share either like a dollar amount in, in speaking as to why and it will be collected. I do wanna commend the prior council and staff in the past for the work being done to allocate the ARPA funds. There's a lot of allocations. This is just one subset of that, focusing specifically on nonprofits. City was not uh, compelled to do that, but the prior council committed those funds to it. And uh, as I step into this council, not myself, but you as well, uh, we inherit the uh, this decision from the past to focus on on the ARPA funds and the recovery. One of the comments that I would also make in my observations and as each individual council member goes through their process, they're welcome, they're welcome to share uh, how you come about some of your decision-making process so the public understands. I think it's also fair for the public uh, to understand that there may be different viewpoints as to how money is supposed to be spent. This was, ARPA funds is really for the recovery during the pandemic. And so a lot of this can be uh, the basis for it. And there's lengthy documentation with the Department of Treasury on what that looks like. And so in doing so, you're asking staff to put forward a process, which is like a rubric. And so the rubric is a process to rank, but how do we get to a decision on what we feel individually as council members uh, to come up with that kind of funding that will support the, the local nonprofits? Not necessarily that the order represents the value of an organization, but simply how it fits within this purpose. So one of the things I would like to recommend to the, to the council is instead of trying to 
ask staff tonight to absorb all this and somehow come back into a process to get us to some final, at least give it back to a subcommittee working with staff within maybe this next council meeting period, if there are other members of the council that would agree that this might be an idea so that we can we can collect it, we can analyze it, but what we can do is, is we can take the input and the assessment from each of us and then collect the, the actual tallies and so that that can go through a process and, and maybe in the next few weeks, a subcommittee of maybe three of us and work together with staff to bring something to the next council meeting if that's possible. Any thoughts on that, Mr. City Manager? Thank you, Mr. Mayor. So I think, you know, the the concept definitely uh, streamlines the issue tonight um, and then definitely puts it back in the hands of the council um, to discuss what's important. Um, but the idea of allowing every council member here tonight to share uh, publicly your recommendations based on your review uh, of the applications um, definitely is important for the exercise. Um, admittedly, this is something that we were wrestling with for a while in terms of how to take all this information and put it in, in, in summary form for you to have a, a more detailed discussion. Um, if the council's amenable to the idea, we can certainly uh, make sure that everybody hears uh, the council's um, recommendations on an individual basis um, and then get that to the subcommittee if that's approved and then bring that back as quickly as we can um, with everyone having the opportunity to see the, the recommendations that go before the council for final considerations. So um, if that's, you know, uh, something that you all want to discuss further, um, we can do that now or we can go forward and take your um, each council member's individual recommendations at this time and you can see what, you know, we have at your discretion to work with. Any any thoughts from the council on the procedure here, or you want to make a comment now, or we can move into the process of council member chat. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you. It's great to see so many of you in the audience this evening. I would like to first of all, I like the uh, uh, comments that have been made by our mayor and. Um, the um, city manager, I I do believe that there there is a need for a process to, uh, to be put in place, and um, especially there's the possibility that we may have additional grants to come before the council, and we can have a process in place when that occurs. I would just like to share that. Um, when I assessed all of the applications, I created a spreadsheet and I took all of the, uh, I took the key elements, the criteria that was uh, included with the application and made an individual column for each. And then I ranked each of the applications accordingly. From that, I was very, I paid close attention to the longevity, how long uh, an, an applicant has been in the community, whether or not this was, uh, the funds would be uh, an enhancement or a implementation sort of uh, grant fund for them in order to begin a project. My 
preference and understanding was that we would work with the nonprofits in the community that have been able to demonstrate how and 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 can would also uh, be accountable have language in which we could actually assess how successful they are in administering services to to the residents or the children or whoever it is they're supplying the grant i mean uh, requesting the money for with that um i i have to state that many of these I was familiar with, but I didn't use my personal uh, prejudices in awarding the funds. I looked at the need, the needs, plural, of the youth and the residents of Vacaville. And so I think that pretty much gives you an idea of my perspective and the angle I took in ranking and making a suggested amount that didn't print off of my final copy <laughs> uh, of awarding these funds. So again, thank you. Council Member Richie. Uh, thank you so much. Really appreciate um, Councilwoman Evans' comments. Um, she very elegantly said, well, I was gonna say, um, I just wanna get to the point, time is money. Let's, let's get it started, let's do it. Um, I think, right, let's arise, let's get it going. Let's hear her thoughts. Um, I really echo what she said. I had a very simple way to analyze it too. Uh, first, nonprofit organizations need to have existence prior to January 1st, be eligible to request fu funding, in my opinion, in general. If the working and serving the community is backbone before the pandemic started. If that wasn't there, then that's a non-starter for me. Number two, subject nonprofit needed to be act actively assisting a certain city of Vacaville residents prior to the official start and become and became financially and structurally stressed during the prolonged pandemic. So if you can't meet those two barriers of entry, can't get in the game. So I think we should start the process and let's get it going. Thank you. Council Member Silva. Uh, just thought that almost been for everyone is uh, ditto. <laughs> Councilmember Wiley. I was just thinking about, you know, you suggested about the subcommittee and do you, do we hope to bring this back to the next council meeting and be able to make a decision? Because I agree with the comments from team Vacaville. It is difficult with not knowing what the money's going to be in. So I would hope that if we, tonight we go through all of our information, it'll, it'll, we'll have to see how far apart or close together people are. And then hopefully we can, you know, narrow things down. But I, I'm a little hesitant to have, you know, just three people doing that. But it'll depend on how how it goes tonight and where, you know, where we are. And maybe as we go through this, we can get through it and then come back to have that conversation, see how we feel about what that looks like. Right. That's a good point. Vice Mayor Stockton. Yes, thank you, Mayor. Um, great comments from everyone so far. Thank you. Um, the other factor that I think is important to consider is how much money have we previously given to some of these charities to be analyzed as well. You know, um, looking looking at this, there there were some pretty moderate requests. You know, a hundred thousand dollars or less. I wouldn't be opposed to maybe supporting those today. But as you get past the hundred thousand dollar mark, 
it's pretty pretty significant the asks um, with the remaining money. Um, like we heard from the gentleman in the back, and he's asking for $12,000. I don't think there's a single one of us up here today that I can think of that would be against um, uh, his cause and his reasonable ask. And I think many of these are very reasonable and have been active in our community for a long time. So I would be okay with that. But I do think that the um, uh, the the asks that that are in abundance of you know 100 hundred thousand or 103,000, however you want to draw that line. Um, we, we need to look at what we've given them before in addition to what my colleagues, the comments that my colleagues. Thank you. So with that, we can go ahead and through, go through a process of evaluation. Again, we were asked to do this from a, a, uh, a scoring and a ranking, but the truth is, is as we go down the, the line here, what we can do is simply speak to what those recommendations were, because again, it becomes a rubric exercise just like anyone who's worked through an RFP. And so we can either go in order or if anyone has a, an affinity to start first, we can we can jump to the microphone. I don't see any, then I'll turn that over to the city manager. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. So um, appreciate the comments. And I think for ease of, of monitoring this, if we could um, go by district in order, starting with district one, just for sake of um, you know keeping track of things. And um, we will follow along with you as best as we can in terms of how you want to identify that. And, and I think what we're looking for is just strictly the dollar amount. We don't need to get into the rubric in terms of the, you know, how they met the, those um, weighted variables, if you will. So really just the dollar amount. Um, if you choose to call them out by identify them by name or simply the order that, you know, we have here um, shown on the, the screen. Um, that's another way of doing it. Or if you have your own methodology and you choose a different way, we will do our best to keep up with you. But if that works for, for the council, we'll simply go um, by district, starting with uh, the vice mayor in district one. And you can just tell us how you allocate the monies. Um, and we'll keep track of that down the list for all seven of you. So without, without the information, I think it's unfair for me to, for me to rank them today and with the information that I have. Um, I think that I need to know how much money we've given some of these clubs before I can say whether or not they should be prioritized for getting the most important look at getting some of these additional funds. So I know that doesn't help you, sir, um, but I do think that that is the right way to do it and that information. Again, I'm comfortable with the ones that are under 103,000 approving those today. I don't, I think they're all important. But the rest of them, I think we need additional conversation. To satisfy the, can you tally that up? You want to comment? Because basically what I'm hearing from that is, is you're, you're making an assessment based upon what's on this agenda and then what's on this, on this list. So if I understand that right, then it's everything that's under 103 but you're not necessarily identifying all of the different ones. So any other comments? No. Okay. So with that, um, we'll move on to district two and, and council member Richie. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, either I sound very old or, or back to like very mad almost. Um, okay. So no, just, uh, it's, doing this list and doing the kind of the ranking and points, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I kind of, uh, 
you know, I use my, my, my current profession, you know, I, one of my gifts is, I think I'm the only member here that is a self-employed professional around my business. I manage balance sheets and run capital analysis every single day I walk into my office. And so I looked at this as if, you know, the use of funds, the positive use of funds, how they should be allocated and realizing like, this isn't monopoly money. This is, um, this is everyone here had benefited by paying taxes to the federal government. Now they're giving it back to this form of ARPA. So I, I was very constant aware that this, a lot of these numbers get really big and people just throw it around, but it, every dollar counts. And I made sure that I constantly was aware of that hearing goes my voice. <clears throat> so on the ranking system, I've already kind of had my two variables. How long you've been serving the city of Vacaville? Essentially, were you here prior to COVID starting? And kind of the value of how many residents you serve and the whole implication of that through the rankings we have. Um, first on my list is actually Vacaville United Soccer Club. They asked for 186750 So I kind of have a little bit of a variance to which I discussed with CM and then Roy kind of hit on a little bit. When the number got above 100000 I had a little hard time. At $1.2 million, you know, like my hand was exploded kind of the last few days. Like it's kind of like there's a bag of candy and everybody's it's, it's just got excited. $1.2 million is what we told people we had. We got $5.8 million in requests. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, I heard one house is really say, stop being like, this be responsible. We, we can't do that. I mean, we got to make sure we all play in the sandbox. And like, you can't ask for more we have. That's why we get fiscal problems. Um, so I had, once we got on a certain number, I was really little, it was really hard for me to kind of figure out how to make it work. So they hit all the metrics for me. Time, time in the city, serving the community. Um, at 186, I was comfortable with saying 100 to 150. That little left over, any company, any company, any nonprofit that requests above 100,000, I want to have a hard number to kind of go for. Then I can then pivot off my fellow councilmen, women, figure out what they want to do to address it. So they went above 100,000. Initially, before we did the vote to raise it to a million per, per, per group. We were kind of had this number at 100, because doing the math that it gave us a 1.2, it made sense. So it kind of, for me, I defaulted that in my head, it made fiscal sense to have 100,000 the baseline for every institution or nonprofit. Uh, so I'm comfortable giving them, say, 150 to 100. If my council wants to give them more, the difference in 150 to 186 is some dollars. Um, I think they earned deserve that. They serve an amazing amount of kids in the community. Their cooperation with Boys and Girls Club, POW, and Dr. Youth Soccer, the club. It's amazing what they do. If you've ever been out to Horse Creek, it's it's a zoo out there. So what they're doing, their athletics is amazing. So that's my thing. I say 150 to 100. Uh, we can contest that. Next is Back Old Police Activity League, or POW. Um, they requested 216, uh, just keeping the emotions out of it, just business, business. Um, they, they approached the $100, 100,000 above. So I default at 150. Um, the time they serve, the people, the kids they serve, the impact they do. My voice, I'll try to be sparingly. I could talk forever about this organization. So uh, what they do in the community is absolutely amazing. 
So I say find a way to make it even. It is 150. Factual Neighborhood Boys and Girls Club. That was at a million. The requests. So that was one of the ones where I had to drink my stressed coffee and figure it out. Um, you know, what they do in the community is absolutely amazing. Um, the people they serve, the time they served, time they've helped kids in the community, what they do throughout the country. But it'd be fiscally responsible for me to not let all boats rise together. Have one large boat and everybody else drowned in the water is not the way it's supposed to work out. All organizations, all people should rise together. I'd rather have five or 10 boats rising up than one high and everybody's left to dry. So I default them 150. We can kind of contest the difference. 11 kids. <clears throat> They're $3,000 above my 100. So um, what they do, the time they've been in the community, what they have served at three locations here in back was amazing. I had, so them, I defaulted them at easy, even number 100. There's a $3,000 difference. So the 100, 150, we can grant them the full amount they want, but just kind of keep it 100 to 150. Backwell Solano Services Corporation. <laughs> they hit both the two metrics very strongly. Nonprofit Curve Service California, Service Vacaville. Uh, length of time in the community, I think it's 20 plus years. It's absolutely amazing what they do. Um, I can't afford to talk and tell you how and all the amazing things, but just what may, may call and help me out later. <laughs> but um, the actual 313,000, so I default to 150. And I would love to entertain people to figure out. Okay. Go to the walk. So, Team Vacaville. They hit both on major matrix, currently serving Vacaville at the time. They asked for 40, they're below the, the 100,000. I mean, that was a no brainer. Well, I, I, I would like to award them the 40,000. So, disability, disabled American veterans, back in chapter 84. No, water. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, yeah, it is water. So it's, yeah. Um, so bouncing off of Councilman Silva's, Silva's comments about uh, the organizations, uh, first and foremost, for every veteran that's in our community, in our county, our city, thanks for your service. Uh, it's amazing what you've done. Uh, my dad's a veteran. It's, it's amazing for the opportunities. Like you came up, and I, I feel every time, you know, not to be biased, but thank you for your service. You're, you're why we're all here. Um, so. There is the VFW there, the Veterans of Foreign Wars, the American Legion Post 165, DAV. There's the new organization for the United States Marine Corps. There's a lot of organizations that, that utilize that facility, serve our community. Um, the number that they requested at 12 was for that organization. But I know there's, the other organizations do have needs that through mishaps, I would like to serve their needs too through that one facility. So I would like to, to award them 60,000. On stage backable, they asked for, they hit the two matrix, nonprofit for serving backable. Length of time, nonprofit has been serving backable 23 plus years. So for me, they hit those two major metrics. What they do, the arts, it's absolutely amazing. Um, you know, 
parts, right? Some kind of like sports. Some people love football, hate basketball. Soccer's for sport, but hate tennis. I mean, it's like for me, art is something that it absolutely serves the community and is amazing and vital for those who who, who need it and crave it and find a passion in it. Um, they're below 100, so for me, it was a no-brainer to allot them to 50,000. Um, the next, I mean, Kaminar, they have uh, both metrics less time in the community. So their ask is pretty large. At five to 1,000, so I, I defaulted to kind of a 10% ratio, um, if that. So I did 56,000 for them um, due to just that. They scored a little lower on, like on, on what they're doing and serving and a little overlapping of organizations kind of serve the same groups. So I love to be kind of have that big conversation piece between my fellow councilmen and women about where how I drive that number, but I would like to do 10% of that large ask. Visit Packerville. Um, they have both metrics. Served Packerville length of time, 18 years. Um, devil's in the details. I was looking at the information and I kind of had a lot out of my experience when I looked at one expense or two expenses for one purpose. Um, like it's like 35,000 for website design. And so I was like, my God, my God. So I, I, what they do is absolutely vital for a community. But I just, that, that one number really was kind of hard for me to digest. So I actually wanted to award them 75,000. Either kind of reanalyze that, that's a big fee, and figure that out. But 75,000 towards uh, Visit Vacuum. So this one gets a little harder, um, where it's kind of just business, not personal. Um, the next organization we have is the factory. They have zero time serving Vacaville and zero with the time in the community, so zero dollars. Next is the Health Education Council. That's something that, same thing, it's amazing what they're trying to do, what they have planned, but they weren't here during COVID. They weren't here through COVID. They weren't an organization registered and back built, have no time spent, so essentially no dollars. Lion Center for Visually Impaired. Great, great idea what they're trying to do to help and serve, but the metrics is business. They have no experience in Vacaville. They don't serve the community uh, prior to COVID, through COVID, at this point, so no money. Lucy's Tree of Life, same metrics. New organization, they're not currently for existence prior to COVID, through COVID. They didn't, they didn't undergo fiscal and, and functional stress as a, as a nonprofit, so no money. And that's it. Councilmember Ritchie, there, there was one other one. Which one? Um, the ballet group. That's awesome. Yeah, can we yeah. can we do that and come back to him since he has not maybe give you a chance to do it? Yeah. You have a methodology, so. Yeah. It's easy. All right, we'll move on to Councilmember Silver. All right. Um, 
uh, echoing uh, Rich, uh, council member Richie's comments about our, our veterans group. I know it's, there's multiple groups. Um, actually had uh, for full transparency, I had conversations with a couple of the, our leaders. Um, they're doing absolutely a lot of volunteer work, um, bringing our whole community together to serve not just uh, Thanksgiving meals, but Christmas meals. Um, they're uh, helping address a lot of um, different issues with our mental health. I know there's still a lot of uh, additional issues to, to help those who um, volunteer to, to uh, be at the sacrifice and uh, commit their lives on the line. Um, you know, when I saw 12,000, I was like, what the hell happened? <laughs> so um, uh, just from uh, multiple conversations, uh, even me following up, uh, I'm hoping to get council support just to allocate additional funds than the, the 12,000 to be distributed to other groups. Um, and I think uh, even me following up with some of the individuals asking them, what the hell happened? Uh, they uh, still had very nominal costs. Um, so I'm gonna uh, support $80,000 um, or advocate for $80,000 uh, for them to be distributed uh, towards addressing uh, different needs. Um, and I encourage everybody to get uh, take time uh, one holiday uh, just to go out there and you know uh, bring your family just commit a couple hours out there uh, phenomenal phenomenal event uh, team Vacaville 40,000 uh, great work helping out with a lot of kids um, who definitely need it and I know you guys need the support too wherever, wherever you're at um, on stage Vacaville 50 uh, visit Vacaville 75 uh, sorry this is thousands sorry uh, 1100, 103 is fine, 103086. Uh, number six, Vacaville uh, United Soccer Club, I'm proposing 80,000, um, but I, what my caveat to that is we have a whole centennial plan um, going on. So I would like for whatever efforts, whatever that funding, so my request for council is whatever funding we allocate to them, uh, be uh, collaborated with our centennial master plan and maybe we can knock out uh, some mutual aspect to that. Um, so, but right now I'm um, putting out 80 for that, or suggesting 80, excuse me. Uh, ballet company, uh, I've been around for quite a while, had a good opportunity to attend their new session, understand the impact that they've had. Uh, so, but I, uh, I'm gonna support a reduced amount at 110,000. Or suggest, excuse me. Uh, Vacaville Police Activity Leagues, um, I want to support the total amount, $216,038. Um, just for the reason for that is uh, they, they're expanding. We've already allocated uh, funding to hire additional staff. They, um, uh, these different programs work collaboratively together. They need, the, they need the vans to be able to transport the kids who typically don't have transportation uh, to different opportunities. Uh, what I've seen happening lately uh, is by far, um, you know, the love and passion that that the the uh, actually they're all ladies that run it. Uh, that the ladies that that run it um, and the, the their ability to connect to teenagers uh, and and have them believe in themselves, believe in their community, and how they can make a difference uh, is absolutely uh, you know they got my heart. So, um, but uh, in part of that's uh, being able to take a lot of these kids again that don't have opportunities to see different things in life and expose them to different trips, camping trips, different uh, conferences um, throughout the nation. And uh, I think those things are truly transformative and uh, they're uh, like many groups, they're actually building um, some key leaders that we're gonna need in the future. So that's uh, some of the comments were to suggest why I'm hoping to have council support on that. Uh, Vacaville Solano Services Corporation, 
Um, so, um, you know, I think a lot of us know the great services that's absolutely essential the Opportunity House does. Uh, it's something that, um, you know, really fits part of the effort that um, uh, my vision entails is the ability to take someone who has a willingness to get out of homelessness, uh, get them on track, get them the services and the skills that they need uh, and help them along their transition way. So um, the requests, well, I put 300,000 because I don't want to start adding numbers. Sorry, or little numbers. Uh, Factory Foundation, um, along the lines with uh, Councilmember Richie mentioned, I'm suggesting zero. Kaminar, uh, um, I seen, a, I heard, I read that there's a lot of work. I'm not familiar with you all. Um, had some conversation with the neighborhood. I encourage you to reach out to me, but for now, I'm suggesting zero. Uh, Twelve Health Education Council. So, uh, just as a reminder, uh, councils uh, approve a small amount of funds to bring Health Education Council together. They're currently collecting data uh, for uh, folks predominantly within the, the Markham neighborhood. Uh, my only concern with this one is that the funding. Um, would continue to focus on District 3. And I think a lot of what their services that they provide, um, there are issues that, that, that do absolutely exist throughout the city. Um, but that all said, uh, part of the efforts is, is to uh, take and train folks from within the community and uh, get them the skills that they need to, again, uh, build that, uh, that framework and uh, build that community resiliency. Um, if is familiar with those terms, uh, from within, so I'm suggesting reducing that requested amount to 160,000. 160. Uh, Lion Center uh, zero for now for the uh, same reasons Councilmember Ritchie mentioned, um, and uh, Lucy's Tree same same rationale zero. Uh, Vacaville Neighborhood Boys and Girls Club. So this one in particular um, uh, had a lot of conversations. Uh, they absolutely provide an essential. Uh, uh, service for our youth. Uh, they've done that throughout COVID. Uh, they've been able to expand that during COVID. Uh, there's been a lot of funds allocated from COVID to them. Um, the request right here is for a building. I want to say this publicly. Uh, it's very difficult. It's going to be extremely difficult for me to support us uh, selling that particular parcel of interest on Brown Street. It's going to be very particularly difficult for me to allocate funding to a building that um, I'm not I haven't been convinced that there would be sufficient funding to actually construct it. Um, just a, a verbal commitment to that. Um, I'm not questioning, uh, you know, uh, one's honor in, in, in these discussions necessarily. Uh, but uh, the bigger picture is, and, and it kind of came up, uh, and it came up in other conversations, is that we have a lot of people who work a uh, volunteer basis, serving a wide variety of issues that exist within our society. Uh, and this absolutely exists within our youth population. There are many different issues within our youth population that uh, the Health Education Council, for example, is actually uh, highlighting uh, these different needs. What I'm suggesting for council uh, is rather than allocating uh, funds to Boys and Girls Club for this particular building, either one, we invest funds into the existing rehab the, of the current Trower Center. It's into need. Uh, perhaps there's different ways we can um, use that budget to uh, to keep up the existing property that the city owns at the Trower Center. Or number two, uh, which I would uh, perhaps encourage more to consider, um, is to uh, come back, uh, actually allocate this as a budget to the youth roundtable. And so what I'm suggesting. Um, and whenever, however this particular item goes, what I'm suggesting is that uh, we uh, make the youth roundtable, uh, convert that back to the, our youth roundtable committee. 
that we have the city manager become the chairperson of that particular committee. This is an effort that was first started in the mid 90s. Uh, it was a high power uh, group of folks who came together and cared about one thing, the ability of how we can address the needs with our kids. If we lose sight of our youth, we lose sight of everything. That is my fundamental philosophy. Um, people can criticize me however they want for that, um, but that's that's in part the future. That doesn't mean we ignore other things. Uh, so what I'm proposing is whatever funds that go there, if it's needed for programming, and if that fits for Boys and Girls Club, the Youth Roundtable Committee can come uh, can allocate those funds appropriately, right? Whatever additional needs that are needed for our youth and those who support our youth, uh, and my suggestion would be that the remaining difference of funds be allocated to the Youth Roundtable. They use it as a working budget um, to start chipping away. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Councilmember Chapman. Uh, no, we'll just keep going down. Oh. Thank you, Mayor Carly. All right, um, I've, I've already shared uh, the matrix I put together in ranking and awarding and suggesting the amount that I'm going to put out there for the veterans. And I will not be redundant. Much has been already been said. I don't think um, a council member Richie or Silver left much um, to say in, or, uh, in regards to how well many of the nonprofits are serving the people of, of Vacaville. So with that, I'm gonna primarily give you my figures. I'll give you the name of the veterans. Um, I was willing to grant them what they have asked for, and I support increasing that because if you add up all my figures, it's not, it does not come up to a million plus. And based upon what has been stated, and I know the work that the veterans have done and they do in the community, we have Travis Air Force Base, Vacaville uh, was primarily at one time made up primarily of veterans and they continue to do work. They do a lot of volunteer um, chair work in order to help uh, the needy, those in need here in Vacaville. So I can support the 80,000 that was put out there for them. Uh, Team Vacaville, $40,000. On stage Vacaville, $50,000. Visit Vacaville, $102,000. 11 kids, $103,086. BACA, uh, I abbreviated here. BACA US Club, uh, I believe that might be the soccer. Um, I have a hundred and twenty-five thousand back of billing, a hundred and fifty thousand back of hell, a hundred and fifty thousand back of Solano services, a hundred and fifty thousand. Factory Foundation, zero. Kaminar, zero. Health Education, I have to double check that. I, I may put it, might have put it in the wrong spot. Okay, Lions Center, Zero. Lucy's 
three, zero. Back of Boys and Girls Club, 100,000. Thank you. Uh, Councilmember Roberts. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'll try to make this quick, go down the list uh, by name. So DAV, um, yeah, I thought you guys were being very modest for what you do. I've worked with a lot of people that you help out. Uh, so yeah, I did increase amount to, we're allowed to go above the um, requested amount is 25,000 for you guys. I also have a lot of projects come down with Jeff Jewell that probably benefit you guys as well. Uh, which is why my recommendation is not as high as others because there's other funding that I'm working with to try to help you guys out. Uh, Team Vacville, the 40,000 you requested on stage, 50,000. But Melissa's not here right now because she might yell at me. Visit um, uh, Vacville for zero because what I brought up last, uh, or we discussed this before, is I believe there's a way to work within with their pre existing arrangement with the city and say using ARPA funding for this money or for this uh, request. Uh, 11, 100,000, uh, Vacaville Soccer, 125, the ballet group, uh, 75,000, Cal, 150,000, Opportunity House, 220,000, uh, Factory and Caminar, zero, uh, the Health Education Council, 100,000, uh, Lion Center, zero, uh, Lucy's Tree, I did put zero, I like what you had proposed, uh, but I don't think this is appropriate form for this or the funding. Uh, I do believe there is a need for that. I think there might be ways to work through that through, through some other means. And Boys and Girls Club, uh, 375. And that comes a total of 1.26 million. Councilmember Wiley. Thank you. Um, I am not going to say something about each item because a lot of it's been already said. So things about how well everyone's working and how important all of them are, are, are my sentiments as well. Um, and I will also say, you know, it was difficult and I think this is a beginning place and it will kind of help us all get things uh, squared away. So I will go down the list as well. So for veterans, I have 12,000. That was the amount of requested. And Team Vacaville for 40,000. On stage Vacaville, I have 50,000. Visit Vacaville, I have 50,000. Levin Kids, I have 103,000. We can put the 86 on there as well, but I have 103 was in my figures. Um, the Vacaville Soccer Club, um, I have quite significantly less because uh, I have 50,000 mainly for what the money was being used for. I think they have a wonderful program, but I had not allowed the whole amount for that. Number seven, uh, the Vacaville Ballet Club, our group, I have 75,000. For Vacaville Pal, I have 100,000. For the Social Services Opportunity House, 260,000. And Factory Foundation, zero. Kaminar, zero. Health Education Council was really difficult. I will say on that comment, you know, they requested 664,000. And as people have said, they haven't been in Vacaville long. They haven't had that kind of history. However, when I read their application, their main reason for the application was to help 
the people who have been in Vacaville, who have been affected by COVID and help them get back on their feet, help with job skills, help on, you know, those sorts of things. So while they have not been in Vacaville, the people in Vacaville suffering the effects of COVID, who's really who these ARPA dollars are supposed to help. That's why I allowed um, 50,000, which is a far cry from the 664,000 that they requested, but it would be a beginning of helping some people who um, had the effects of COVID. And the Lions Center was zero, Lucy's Tree was zero, and the Boys and Girls Club was seven, 475,000. Thank you, and as we continue to make this work in progress, um, Councilmember Richie, you just let me know when we want to come back to you. And also, I'll just put it back. There's always going to be comments, even though we've said this, you may have other comments based upon hearing each other. So this is dialogue. We're not necessarily going to be, okay, we're done, because uh, then we can have a final discussion on what really, where we want to go with this, okay? So with that, I'll, I'll share some of my comments uh, to the public, this was not an easy task because so many of us work with so many of you in the nonprofit world. I know I have over the years in my, my former assignment. And uh, there's a lot of good work. Um, I hear the my colleagues up here and the comments and one in particular as we started was you know, Vice Mayor Stockton. And it's really sometimes hard to make an assessment when there's other questions that we have, which is one of the reasons why one of my suggestions was that maybe what we end up doing when we're done with this is we come back and and work with the subcommittee and staff to actually mash that out, answer some questions that can come back to the council. But at least we understand where we all where we're all at. For me, um, in no particular order, but I'll try and what I will try and do is go down the list from there, so it makes it easier for you. Um, I heard that very similar sentiments, and that is, is this was funding for those who were existing and who were harmed during the pandemic. And so I believe as a council, we have a responsibility, this is my views, to, to care for those nonprofits that this money was set aside for. And to council member Wiley, you're, I saw the same thing with those trying to work with those who are affected with our community. And so they did make a tie to what was the objective of the rubric. So with that, um, the disabled American uh, veterans, um, first and foremost, I'm gonna start there, but let's just start with saying you didn't ask for enough, but I'll come back to you at the end. Um, I believed also that if you hadn't already been working as a nonprofit within Vacaville, it wasn't appropriate then to try and assign funds to that, not, not meaning that they weren't good programs, but it's probably best to say, how can we work with you? If we feel like that's a good program, let's work with you to try and figure out how to get you to Vacaville. And there are those on this group for sure. So with that team Vacaville, um, I set aside in at least my allocation, the full amount of 40,000 for, uh, for the program. I do believe that there is an absolute need for that. And when we can serve individuals directly, that's really the intent of a nonprofit. On stage Vacaville, again, very creative in trying to use the arts and to bring that to those who might be disenfranchised, but also in a way that can build upon the community. And so that to me was a full funding of 50,000. Uh, visit Vacaville, uh, again, um, interesting on what the overall cost is with that. Some of this is difficult to figure out 
but it, it focused on a way to really focus on those with needs. And so I allocated the full 102,000 for, for Visit Vacaville. 11 kids, it's no surprise I've been involved in supporting the 11 over the years and bringing and helping um, the 11 at the time, and now it's 11 kids and Mark Lois and being successful as a partner within our community and working with our, our kids after school. And so uh, my uh, recommendation was the, the full amount of 103,086. Uh, the Vacaville Unif uh, United Soccer Club this one was interesting for me, just at least from a from a review of their perspective. That is, is how to expand on good programs, and so that to me was okay. We're we're going to put lights. It's interesting. There's going to be master planning in parks, but I do believe the assessment on how to reach these kids and partner with the Boys and Girls Club was a very viable project, given their nonprofits along with their. Um, wanting to expand and reach those at risk. Um, I allocated 100,000 for that program uh, as it stands today. Thankfully, the Vacaville ba uh, Ballet Theater didn't get lost in all that. That was probably just an oversight. So the truth is it's a very viable program as far as I'm concerned, although I didn't see the need to fully fund it because it was something that could be scaled and I allocated in my assessment 100,000. Uh, the Vacaville Police Activities League, this has obviously been a, a longstanding nonprofit to reach at-risk youth, and it, it extends throughout the community for many, many years. The one thing I'll also say about this, and I saw this in several of these applications, there were people in the application process that truly did demonstrate the loss during COVID the fact that they couldn't fundraise. And when I saw that, I realized that is a big deal. When you can't put on fundraisers because that is how this community works. So with that, I allocated the full amount of $216,038 to the PAL for those programs. Uh, Vacaville Solano Services Corporation, you know, thank you for the opportunity house and all that is, is uh, at, at stake with, uh, with what you're doing there. Um, with this particular one, I believe that I had allocated the entire amount of uh, 313,694 to, to that one as well. I believe that working with those who, for those of you who don't know, I mean, we do have a great Housing First program. I've often advocated even in Washington that what do we do for those that we're trying to get to that next step? And we've done an amazing job. It's not new, but uh, you suffered through the, those years when people weren't going to the storehouse to, to fund the Opportunity House. And so that's the connections that I was making on where are you getting your money and it goes back to are there alternative sources and the primary sources is fundraising and also the storehouse. So that's, that's my allocation there. Um, and I too did not, although I value Kaminar, I did not allocate funding there because there's so many other external funding allocations. And that's not to say that as a, as a group, which is why I believe there's a good opportunity for a subcommittee, some of this could adjust a little bit, even though one of us might say no. It's because there might be an opportunity to say, through a better assessment, can we actually do that? I would also then say, um, if I have my numbers right, somebody might do my math. I, I wasn't a, a math uh, mathematician. But I allocated, um, based on, uh, it was definitely a high ask for the Vacaville Neighborhood Boys and Girls Club, but uh, I've worked for Anna 
uh, with Anna for many years. Uh, I was on the board in the past, I'm not on the board now. And so my position on this is I've always believed in advocating for youth and uh, those who are at risk. And uh, Anna and the team do an amazing job. And sometimes the other thing I'll look at is what's the cost benefit, the dollar amount versus the number of, of youth served. And so that weighs into it. And it's uh, it's only one pot of money. And I, um, I allocated 225,000 to this program. That said, um, part of that's going to also be based upon questions that I think have been raised before. And that is, is it is a uh, um, it is a, um, a, camp, a fundraising campaign with matching funds, and so some of this is going to have to be demonstrated, which is another reason why I like the idea of a quick subcommittee that can also work with staff to answer some of these questions before it comes back to council. Now, I don't know what that number is, but I think to your point, it may be just slightly under. And whatever the difference is, within whatever the outcome is, I do believe our vets deserve more, and so. I uh, appreciate all that you've done and I appreciate all those who have served our country. And I know that I, I, I don't speak alone on that from, from the dais here. So did I miss any of them? The rest, the rest were no allocations. And it was based upon similar things that you had heard. And that is, is if you had not done business before, while it may not be a, um, it might be a great program, it, it, in my estimation, it didn't meet the objective of the reasons why the funding was given. This is federal dollars. All these dollars are going to be audited at some point. And so the outcomes of these, what we have to do, which was one of the rubric questions, is, is the need to actually be able to demonstrate that this is a program that was designed. And while they gave broad parameters, um, so in addition to a thousand pages, and so thank you all for what you've done to to put all that information in front of us, normally in business, I'm sure my colleagues have been through these processes, you create these, these groups that evaluate the merit and then the weight, and then you come to it and then you apportion it. So that's the goal here is, is how we might do this based upon the feedback. And so the question is, and I'll open it back up to those who might have further comment. And I see Councilmember Ritchie, your light's on. Oh, thank you so much for your, your comments. I I had to kind of follow up on um, the ballet. So uh, sorry for missing that earlier. Uh, it falls into my same thing. It's, it's greater than 100,000. I think um, my colleagues demonstrated the value of the arts. So I'm at 100 to 150 by fault. Um, you know, I would like to maybe, if we're gonna leave here and not make a decision now, that, that's, that's our, our democratic vote. We'll figure it out right now. But I saw you taking numbers notes and still that I would like to know we quickly calculate the average mean of the dollars per group to find out <clears throat> right now leaving here the, the cumulative number would be say 217,400 for the back and boys club it'd be 142,000 for the soccer club if we can find out if there's a way to do the average divide by two by sheet put the dollar amounts on the table where we all stand as of now with these groups so, yeah. so I'm gonna turn this over real quick to our city manager yeah. to chime in here a little bit. Because we're making sausage now, that's what we're doing. Well, I, I, I agree, I agree. Okay, well, um, I, I was prepared to give you some summary, not that one um, yet, but I, I think for the benefit of the council and for um, those in attendance tonight, um, I'll try to capture some of the, the comments and the generalities that I see after taking uh, notes here. 
Um, first and foremost, we did have, we started off that there was a, a request for additional information on um, those um, agencies that have received prior funding from the city, um, especially focused on those above um, the 50,000. And so with that said, and we'll come back to that for the council uh, to discuss in just a moment. But with that said, um, the first three uh, items, the disabled American veterans, team Vacaville and onstage Vacaville, there was consensus that at a minimum, the full amount um, with additional request of money ranging from anywhere from 25 to 80,000 going to the disabled veterans. Um, the other um, consensus items um, that were uh, to allocated no funds were the Factory Foundation, Kaminar, uh, Lions, Center for the Visually Impaired, and Lucy's Tree of Life. So the, there was no money allocated to those. When you look at the other ones in the middle, um, there's a range of, of recommendations. And these, in looking at this list, I can certainly assure you that some of these agencies have received um, funds from the city previously. I certainly cannot tell you the dollar value here tonight. Um, if the council is interested in you know, the average recommendations, we can do some quick math on that, but then that's where I think you're getting into the particulars. Um, and there's a lot of different viewpoints on how you all arrived at this. And so, um, Mr. Mayor, I'll turn it back to you. And I know that you were um, had shared the idea of a subcommittee given these results tonight, and I'll leave it back to you all to discuss what steps you'd like to take next. Thank you. I'm gonna, there's a few more comments up here. I'm gonna go to Council Member Wiley first. One thing I just wanted to bring out in with everyone and get some feedback, you know, legally too. Um, I totally value our vets and I don't have any issues with giving them more than the requested amount. However, I'm just wondering about, is that okay to give more than the requested amount and the fact that we're not giving everyone else full amounts? And I, I wish that someone would have reached out to the veterans people during the application process to say, oh, I have, we have an application from DAV, how about other ones? to encourage them to apply. So I just want that laid out before a subcommittee decides to or not do that. What is the ramification, what are ramifications for giving more than the requested amount for veterans? So Mr. Mayor, if it's okay, I'll turn it over to Emily Cantu, our Housing and Community Services Director to kind of walk you through the next step in this process. So once awards are made, um, because it is federal money, we will be committed and obligated to, to monitor and track how those funds are allocated. And so, Emily, if you can briefly describe, you know, that process in terms of um, if an, an individual uh, agency is awarded money, what, what are the next steps? Sure, I think uh, one thing to keep in mind too is where the allocations differ from the request, we would reach out to those agencies um, make sure that they're still interested in receiving that award and have them adjust their budgets and their measurable outcomes accordingly. So the number of people they may serve, for example, may change. Um, so that would be our first step. Once we understand um, who can accept their award at the allocated amount, there will be a contracting process. All of our contracts go through the city attorney's office. They would include all the monitoring, 
and documentation required to um, verify that all of the expenditures for each agency are eligible under the ARPA funds so that when we do get our friendly uh, federal audit, everything's on track and everybody's complying with all the rules. Um, beyond that, they have a time period. It ends in 2024 to expend all the funds. So we would work with them, uh, provide technical assistance as needed, you know, follow up with groups who uh, may uh, need some coaching on getting their funds expended um, or having um, difficulties, you know, providing the documentation needed. We do that a lot through our Capitano JPA work. So um, we're happy to do that with our nonprofits. And I, and I do have a quick question and I know there's others on the council with comments. Yeah, I, I see that there's a few there as well. Um, one of the questions that I know that we probably all have some questions on the process, but clearly, do we have the, the staff to, to, to monitor all this? And clearly, I'm, I'm hoping that there's a, a, a legal review of any type of request because I know they've come up with the rules. Uh, the Department of Treasury came up with tentative rules. They finalized them in April. There's a lot of FAQs and we want to make sure that we don't do anything that's a violation of federal law. So true yes we would certainly review any um allocation or uh, proposed allocation that's questionable if it falls within the federal guidelines there would be legal review of that we've worked with the, the departments on that one thank you considering we're making recommendations and yet what we don't want to do is jeopardize the fact that we're now on the hook for monitoring federal grant funding through so uh, with that i wanted to uh, i saw your light ice mirror Excuse me. I turned it off. You turned it off. All right. So, uh, Councilmember Silva. Um, what I suggest to Council is that we approve. Um, I'm not making a motion yet, but it's a suggestion. Um, we approve eighty thousand. Staff's going to follow up to make sure that uh, that's needed, so they can have the conversations um, as needed. Uh, and that's with all due respect to Councilmember Roberts' efforts. Um, so, eighty thousand for our vets. Uh, we allocate 40 tonight to Team Vacaville, allocate 50 to uh, on stage Vacaville, allocate $103,086 to Levin, um, and then the uh, sorry, uh, Factory Foundation, Caminar, Lions, and Lucy's, uh, respectively. Um, seemed like uh, with exception to one or with exception to two um, respective council members uh, that overall was zero so my suggestion tonight would be to at least come to a consensus on that uh, if council wants to bring back figures think about it for the other items then uh, that would be my suggestion but let's take those sorry right. we'll eight uh, eight items off the list council member roberts hmm? yeah i do have uh one question kind of for the DAV, I don't know if you have an answer, because uh, I know with these funds, they have a timeline of when this money has to be spent. And if they, I do appreciate everybody wanting to give vets extra money, but if we did increase value, can you actually spend that money before the deadline? Is because with the services you provide, will you be able to maximize that amount of money? Yeah, you can come up. Yeah, come on up. I just don't want any funds go to waste if we can put them someplace else in the community. Uh, Mr. Mayor and members of the council, 
the DAV is so very grateful for any funds that you allocate to us that we can put to use. We received the application of uh, request for proposal and we had a three day turnaround time. So that is why the other um, veterans groups did not respond. They would have, but the time frame was way, way too tight. So I busted it and I got the application package to you. We as a DAV asked for only enough to get us through. We were not asking for any more than that. If you see it in your heart to give us more, trust me, well, you may not, but trust me <laughs> that we will share that money with the other veterans groups. Now, we share everything. As you know, we share the building, we share everything. And so if you were to give us any more than the 12,000 that I asked for, then we would call a meeting and we would indicate to them that this new amount is available and that we can rebut. We can divide that up and share it. And those funds will go to major projects that those groups are working on. Trust me, that money will be spent. Now for my 12,000 bucks, that's, you know, that's chump change out here, but that to us, is salvation money. That's what will get us through until the next budget. Any yeah. questions? Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Councilmember Lamb. Hi again. So, because the numbers needed to be turned in for all the budgets, and because you're part of a national organization, you know there were pages that had the national figures in there as well. Sure. Um, made me um, swallow a little bit, but so this money will just be at Vacaville or will you be required to send part of it to the no, national no, organization? No, 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 I ain't sharing it with nobody. <laughs> <laughs> that money stays here. We use that, the DAV money, it, depending on how much you give us and how much we separate out and give and share with the other vets groups, whatever we have left, you know, whatever for the DAV has, we will use that for DAV Vacaville issues. Thank you. Our chapter, 1100. No, can I trust you on that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any other questions? Thank, Thank you very, very much. Thank you. And uh, one more uh, comment. Kind of like going with, with uh, Council Member Silva saying with uh, yeah, the soccer and the health education council and boys girls club, uh, especially the soccer, because yeah, we do have the the master plan for that park out there that it works closely in line with parks rec to make sure the money that's being spent is in line with what we're planning to do with that park. That way we're not spending the money and then they have to tear it back down in a couple of years when we actually start working more towards fulfilling that project out there. And then yeah, boys girls club, yeah. And a Boys and Girls Club member myself when growing up. Um, yeah, I'd really like to see that go towards like programs. I know wanting to use towards the building, but for some reason something happens where you can't rather see this money go to the current programs or renovating, maybe renting additional space to expand your program out, maybe additional staff to, to help out those kids while fundraising. Because I think, yeah, that building's going to be a little bit more expensive than what you're planning on based on some of the projects we've seen for the city. And, um, yeah, I'd like to see that money go directly to the kids if possible. Uh, yeah, that's my comments. Thank you. Thank you. 
Council Member Chapman. Thank you. Uh, clarification, um, Council Member Silver, you were calling out some of the uh, applicants' names and an amount, and you made it as a motion. Well, he, made what? It, he didn't make it as a suggestion. He's, he's suggesting. He didn't call a motion. We were still in discussion. But yes, you were, you were, you were promoting an idea here. This Will you, the discussion. Uh, can I add that you repeat that, please? Uh, yes. Are you going to have, yes. Well, I... <laughs> I don't want no problems with you. <laughs> I don't want no problems. Um, so I'm, you said it so eloquently. I am, I am suggesting that uh, based on the overall consensus for some items, we we uh, make a decision tonight. And then, per, and it sounds like um, in the interest of time, and uh, we maybe sit on the other one. So there are suggestions of subcommittee. I'm not, I don't think we need to do a subcommittee, um, although maybe some items we could. Uh, but. Uh, so my, to answer your question, uh, I suggest that we tonight approve 80,000 to our veterans, uh, with the stipulation that they divided up to the additional needs that have been expressed by other veteran groups, um, that are very well known and, and proven and well established in our community, uh, for team Vacaville item. I'm just going to, I'm going to refer to numbers if that's okay. Um, the second one listed team Vacaville, 40,000 on stage Vacaville. Uh, number three for 50,000. Levin, uh, item number five, uh, for the requested amount, $103,086. And then uh, with exception, um, respectively to two council members, uh, the rest of these overall were a consensus of zero. So I pr propose um, we take um, the factory foundation off the off the list respectively uh Kaminar off the list respectively 13 uh lions off the list respectively and 14 lucy's off the list respectively and there's other comments there's other comments up here but real quick did you did you mention anything about visit vacaville um one second yeah. I think he was speaking. Right. Uh, I did not mention visit Vacaville because there wasn't a consensus. Right. Okay. Um, real quick, I'm going to go to Councilmember Richie. Okay. Uh, on what uh, Council Silver just said, I, I want progress. I, I want to make sure we leave here today with progress. I suppose it's good going tonight with progress. Uh, I want a motion to approve eighty thousand for the veterans, forty thousand for Team Vacaville. 50,000 for on stage. Let's round it up. 104 for the 11. So I motion to approve that now. Everything else that we didn't have consensus on zero would go to the possibility of um, our mayor's suggestion for a, a council or group to talk about it. But let's leave with progress. Let's let the groups that need the money that we have consensus get going in the community now. And we can figure out the rest and make sure we allocate the funds appropriately. Uh, I can make a motion to. Well, there's still questions. So just, yeah. She had a clarification and then I sent it to you. So just real quick. So, wait for having a robust discussion. Let's not, if we're going to, if we're making progress, let's not jump ahead of the progress. Councilmember Chapman and Vice Mayor Stockton. Okay. I was going to second, that was a motion that he put out there. I was going to second it, even though the discussion was still going on. So, okay. So we have uh, a second. Mr. Mayor, how would you like to proceed? Well, I want to I want to hear the comment from Vice Mayor Stockton, okay. and we do have a second, and I yes. I have a and I have uh, I have more on this. So, 
I know we're trying to make progress, but now we're getting people wanting to speak. So Vice Mayor Stockton. I appreciate the motion. Um, I, I would really like to come up with some sort of consensus for the Opportunity House. We have a storm out there that is raging. We have homeless people on the streets that need help. If we could add that to the equation, then, then I would certainly support that. Um, you know, that being said, I, I, I know I didn't give a lot at the beginning because I felt like that additional information, but that is one of my higher ranked items, especially considering the weather and what we're dealing with right now. I have them listed roughly between two to $3,000, no, um, or excuse me, two to $300,000. Um, I would like to see them go home and have that money to be able to do the good, continue to do the good work that they're doing in Macville too, along with the other ones. So can we add the... Uh, well, so that, that we have a motion to second, but we still have some comments. And so it would have to come back to somebody making a, a an amendment to that so we have to vote on the other one but would that be the end of the uh, the agenda item okay. um clarification this is where it gets uh if i could to, to jump in so you do have a motion um before you which i think we all, is very clear um i don't know if there's any other council members seeking comment but with regards to the recommendation from the vice mayor to uh see if there's an opportunity to reach consensus on the opportunity house which just for as a reminder from the council, you had a, I'll call it a low bid, if you will, of 150,000 to a high bid of 300,000 and then varying amounts in there from 220, 260. Um, if there's a desire for the council member who made the motion uh, to amend their motion to include a discussion on that, you can do that or um, because you do have a motion in a second, you do have to act on that. So that so you motion so councilmember silva any any comment on that motion i think we need to i know we got a motion in a second but i think we need to establish how what the follow-up is for the others at this time as well so motion in a second. so i think the process would be to make a motion to amend that's what i'm asking you 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 brought the motion uh, oh no no i mr uh, ask it. Well, but you made the first motion. So he's asking for the motion to amend. Is that correct? No. So, uh, so I said so motion to amend uh, my personal motion. I like to bring consensus to the back, this alternating house. I find that median of 275000 So I would amend my motion to bring in so we can take to go home with funds. 275000 to the Solano Service Corporation. 8000 to the veterans. 40,000 to Team Backfield, 50,000 to Onstage, and 104,000 rounded up to the levy. With all the institutions, we got zero. That stands the difference in the funds we haven't allocated would go towards a third party group of subcommittee to review and analyze how we can bring funds in appropriately. So that's my motion with the amendment. Okay. Uh, how do you propose question? Wait a minute, I have. Yeah. I don't so, want no problem, Dr. Chapman. Well, so, so you have an amended motion, but there are some comments. So, and so we'll go with Council Member Chapman. So, so thank you. Did you call on me? Oh. So, so the motion has been seconded. The original motion was seconded. Seconded. And so we need to, before it can be amended, we would need to make sure the second uh, is, is amended as well. Yes. So that comes to you. Right. Um, before 
I have to say this sure. before I am willing to pull my second um, vice mayor, you had mentioned due to the weather conditions we're experiencing right now that you would like for us to move forward with giving opportunity house money. In the event of an emergency, even if we weren't sitting here this evening, if all people, if we had people in the city that needed help, the city would, correct me, the city would step forward and do what is needed for the residents, correct? So we currently have resources available for those that are experiencing homelessness that desire to get out of the elements. Uh, we have resources available and they simply need to contact uh, either them directly or an advocate, um, our police department with uh, Captain David uh, Kellis, um, and we can make that happen. Um, so that is available. Okay, thank you. And if we were to move forward with, because there were, uh, varying amounts that were being suggested and it's going to take I, I i really don't want to move remove the second because i know we're going to take care of the people of vacaville and if we were to include them this evening it would take time before those funds would be allocated to them so they would it wouldn't help them during the storm does that make no i understand what you're saying i just i think that they have finite resources now that if they know that this money's coming, they might be able to reallocate to something more present. That, that's the reason why I brought it up. But I do agree with you. I recognize that these funds are gonna take some time to get to them. But if I know that I have a check for $275,000 coming to help me continue to operate my program and I have money now and people who need help now, I'm more apt to maybe spend it. But I do respect what you said. And because, you know, different amounts came from the council members so it's not not like the first four here that we all Correct. were at consensus and agreed upon so um for that reason i would like for the vote to go forward and if it fails then of course a new vote would come i mean yeah most would be made okay uh, uh, there are some questions though for what's for going sure. on so if we can clarify so council member wiley yes thank you um, when we first started discussing this, we were talking about the amount for the leaven at one hundred three and eighty-six dollars, and you know we had to turn in financial records, and it was all accounted for. So because we don't have enough money overall, I would rather go with it one hundred three eighty-six rather than round it up almost nine hundred dollars or over nine hundred dollars, you know, to than one hundred four one hundred four thousand. Because that's a, that's a pretty big rounding. So I would rather leave it that. And so we, that's how we started, but then Greg, uh, council member Richie upped it. So I want to know exactly where we are on that. So I upped the number at the best, $25. No, it's not $25. It's $924, But that was already second. Yeah, so I know. So we amended it once. So I just want to clarify because we don't have enough money that $900 could go to someone else. And I feel like the 11 asked for we what they thought they needed. So let's vote. We can go ahead and take the vote. Although there is one more question. I want to just give it to Councilmember Roberts and then, and then maybe we can weigh in with our city attorney and make sure we're doing this right. Good to go. Yeah, I know we've done a bunch of amendments and I know Greg, uh, Councilmember Richie, Offer up 275 for opportunity house. I was going to say just make it the average of what the council members put since I'd probably put it around about, uh, so it's between 150 and the 300 asked. If we just did the average for opportunity house, I think it'd be a nice median for everybody. But 
Did this do that for the rest? Yeah. No, that's that. So I'm going to turn this over to our city manager and our city attorney to weigh in on, on this robust discussion. So uh, thank you all for for the 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 meaningful thought that you're putting into this. I think given the fact of, of Councilmember Chapman's statement about, you know, let's move forward with, with the current uh, motion and second, that it would be wise to move forward with that, uh, depending on how strongly you feel about those minor adjustments as you've called them, um, you can choose to vote in favor or against the motion. And then if you vote against it and the majority, then we have to bring it back. If you vote, if a majority votes for it, then those minor adjustments are off the table. I do have the number close enough to 275. But it doesn't matter because right now you have a motion and a second. Yeah, let's to, go ahead and do a, have that conversation. Let's go ahead and do a, a vote. We have a motion and a second. All in favor? But I need to clarify. Sorry. I need to clarify the motion second. So go ahead and clarify the motion second. We the motion? It's the initial. Correct, Mr. Mayor. Mr. Mayor, if we if we could just so we'll make sure it's clear. So the motion before you is is eighty thousand dollars for disabled veterans, forty thousand for Team Vacaville, fifty thousand for onstage Vacaville, one hundred and four thousand to eleven kids, eliminating any funding for the Factory Foundation, Caminar, Lions Center and Lucy's Tree. And then after that vote is taken care of and you reach consensus one way or the other, then there will need to be a discussion of what you do with the other ones where there was not a motion made for those um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight items. So that is the motion and seconded before you tonight. All right, so we have a motion and a second. Question. Question. Uh, so I'm still unclear on the process for the other ones. You still so, need to have that conversation after this vote. Yeah. You brought the motion. Yeah, so. You made the suggestion. You made the suggestion. That's right. So we have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. 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 All no. against? I'm opposed. No. 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 And no. Two no's. The motion carries. Let's Correct. see, I haven't heard the judges shoot down. It's hard to do without a roll call. Well, we can do a roll call if you want. Roll call. So, okay. So just to be clear, a no vote or a yes vote does not include opportunity housing. Yes vote does. Or a yes vote does not include opportunity housing. No vote would bring it back. Then you'd have, if the majority is no, then you have to come back with another motion. So we, we it, Mr. Mayor, you'd like us to do a roll call vote? Okay, thank you. No, only be outplayed. Councilmember Ritchie? Yes. Councilmember Silva? No. Councilmember Chapman? Aye. Yes. Councilmember Roberts? Yes. Councilmember Wiley? No. Mayor Hartley? No. So motion fails, so now we need another motion. Question. Sorry. Councilmember Wiley. Do I make a motion to have the amount for 11 kids, $103,086 as requested, 
disabled veterans, 80,000, Team Vacaville, 40,000, and on stage Vacaville, 50,000, to eliminate those that were mentioned before, Factory Foundation, Hamanar, Lion Center, and Lucy's Tree for Life. That's the motion. No, it's not. Still not opportunity health No. Do I have a second? Hearing no second, Councilmember Roberts. Um, yeah, I was just gonna ask, can we now get that average for opportunity house? I have it. Oh, you have it? I do have available, yes. It's $234,813 and some change. Okay, um, I was hoping to get second. So going down the list again, I'd like to motion to do the same 80,000 for the DAV, 40,000 team back goal, 50,000 for on stage uh, well, uh, the 103,086 for Levin, and then including the average of all the council members' suggestions for opportunities. And also, and then excluding the ones we gave zeros to. I'll second that. We have a second from Vice Mayor Stockman. Uh, Mike Silver, do you have a question? All right, so let's do a roll call vote on that. Councilmember Ritchie? Yes. Councilmember Silva? Yes. Councilmember Chapman? Yes. Councilmember Roberts? Yes. Councilmember Wiley? Yes. Councilmember Stockton? Yes. Mayor Carley? Yes. <laughs> All right, that's <laughs> it. Now with that, we're not complete, but... Uh, Yes, so Mr. Mayor, we'll yes. need to talk about how the council wishes to handle those few remaining applications. So what we need to do is, um, the discussion really is, is what we do with remaining or with remaining ones. And could you uh, explain which remaining uh, applications do we have? And then we'll bring it back to the council. And does this need to come back to the floor? Okay. So um, what was not voted on this evening was Visit Vacaville, the Vacaville United Soccer Club, Vacaville Ballet Company, Vacaville Police Activities League, the Health Education Council, and the Boys and Girls Club. HEC. Can we get a total of what's remaining? Yes. Uh, I do not have that tally, but give us a moment, please. <laughs> Thanks. So Health Education Council was not excluded based on that vote? Um, my okay. understanding of the vote was that it was for those that the allocate, everyone's allocations were zero, and the Health Education Council had a couple of members okay. that voted to allocate the funds. Okay. So open it up for discussion on the council. The, the uh, conversation now is what will the process be moving forward? I had suggested early on that this was not likely to be completely solved this evening. We made some progress, which is good. Uh, however, one of my recommendations has been to have a subcommittee and to be able to address those 
considering all the comments tonight, collect all the information. And the goal, my hope would be to bring it back on the next council. If the subcommittee could work fast enough and answer those questions. So that's, that's what I am proposing in a discussion. And uh, so I see vice mayor Stockton. I, I agree with you, um, Mr. Mayor, that uh, sub, a, a quick subcommittee or maybe a quick meeting amongst you and two council members might be beneficial towards coming to a resolution. But I would also, I'm also curious as to whether or not there is a public outreach that can be conducted, you know, where we can get some input from the public about how they'd like to see the remaining dollars spent towards the different organizations that still remain. If something can be put on our website or something. So not requesting bids, you know, but keep the, keep the well, and part of the goal here is, is to act on the remaining grant applications. And there's been a lot of conversations already weighed in. And just a question to our city attorney, the, the, the idea of opening it up for further public comment from the public, how would that work in a process like this, either to you or to the city manager? Do you mean opening it up tonight or just in, in the future? So if we were to create a subcommittee of myself and two others volunteers on the council to sit down and review the information that's collected, the goal would be to really assess with what we came up with and bring it back to the council in a more definitive. So we're trying to deal with these numbers all tonight, but to streamline it and bring it back with a recommendation. So what would that best process look like? So the one thing that I could offer for that is, is you know, we did a similar public outreach process with the original uh, award of our ARPA funding, if you recall. We had a, a dashboard system that we put out there and gave um, the community a, a variety of weeks to, to look into that and, and you know, express their vote for how the money should be spent. Um, that process takes time. Um, and, you know, if you're interested in doing something like that, we can, you know, put something together. But I think you've heard tonight that there is also an interest in expediency to, to get to closure on this. Um, and again, I would just, you know, uh, suggest that um, this is something that the council set out to do and allocated this amount of money based on input from the public. This is how you got to that 1.2 million and that you know these services are important. And so I think you do have some direction from the public as to this category of ARPA funding and uses. Um, taking it to the next level, I think, you know, it was originally um, considered to be a council decision, but if that's something that you wanna open it to, I would just caution that it's gonna take additional time um, to do so. Yeah, my, and, and, I, and I'll just say my thoughts are, I appreciate that, um, that we've already done that. Uh, so my rec my recommendation, I see that there's lights on here. Um, my belief and my recommendation is, is all this process has already been done. And uh, it kind of exposes a process that's already been addressed without the public being able to then further comment on what we've already addressed. And then so we've really split this into two different processes. And so I, I don't recommend that we do that as a group. I just simply think what we need to do is work towards where we weren't, where we as a council did not have consensus not necessarily having to reopen that up to the public. And to that point, we wanted to make decisions tonight and do this quickly. And so my belief is then we don't want to then extend this. Uh, so it's putting undue pressure on all those others waiting on a, a formal public process. So, so then if the public wants 
input, they should just email you or the city and, and make it forwarded to you. Is that acceptable? On the subcommittee's findings for the, for the remainder of the ARPA money, if the public, are we gonna do that right the second or are we gonna, we're gonna have a meeting outside? Well, the goal is just that there would be a, there would be a subcommittee taking into account everything right. to discuss what we have come up with here to come back to council with the, the work that we've talked about and try to digest this in a way that can then be brought in a much more simple way for us to finalize and for us to settle in on where we're at on it, not to open it up to the public. Okay. That would be my recommendation. Does anybody have questions? Councilmember Roberts. Yeah, quick question. Um, or Emily, uh, for the remaining uh, nonprofits there, um, does the average of the council's recommendations for each item, is it equivalent or less than the remaining funds that we have? Sorry. Well, Lots. there's 757,000, again, some, a little bit of change, $757,000 remaining. And the, yeah, the averages for each nonprofit. I didn't average them all on the cell phone calculator. Because <laughs> why you guys were waiting. Sorry. If the council averages for each item is equivalent okay. or less than the remaining funds, I think that'd be a happy medium to get it just done tonight. Yeah, if it, if it, if you'd like us to do that, we, if you can give us a couple seconds here, we I can. I mean, if the, if the rest of council is okay with that. Mr. Mayor, yeah, go I ahead. We have City numbers, we just didn't average them. Would you like some time? If you like, you know, given the, the time, you can take a 10 minute recess and we can come back with that yeah, number if that's something you're interested in. Why don't we do that? Let's take a 10 minute recess. If you think you could do this in 10 minutes. Yes. All right. We'll be back.
Yes, yeah, wait. Oh, okay. We're going to get ready here too. I did say two minutes. So it was time. Yeah, said two minutes. <laughs> a minute, two minutes. That's right. So we're going to resume our council meeting. Thank you for your patience for that break so that staff could resume. And uh, at this point, I know that you're, Emily, you're going to bring back to us some information so that then we can further the discussion. So yes, sir. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, just before we proceed, um, I did write down some numbers that I wanted to share in regards to helping them form this average so that the numbers were included. For Visit Vacville, I put down 100,000. For the soccer club, I put 125. The ballet, 125. Vacville Police Athletic League, League 200. And the Boys and Girls Club, 250,000. Thank you. Thanks for your patience and allowing us time to crunch the numbers for you. Um, up on the screen and in front of you, you have um, the remaining applicants that you wanted to uh, review further. Your question was, uh, what is the average amount um, based on the feedback you provided this evening? Um, the amount remaining after the allocations you voted on and approved is $757,101. The average for the applicants um, that were remaining for discussion, uh, the total amounts are $760,510.86. So that amount is over by $3,409.86 of the funds available. Of that 1.265, magically you're off only $3,409.86. So. <laughs> Good thing we're not in the banking industry, <laughs> although finance is here. So, thank you for that report out. It, this this really is helpful. And uh, initially, I'm going to go to Councilmember Roberts, and then uh, Mr. Mayor, I apologize. I did have one note I needed to make about these averages. Um, Councilmember Silva, we we did not receive a funding amount for the Boys and Girls Club. We did receive and document your feedback. So we did divide the amount by six. Okay, for the Boys and Girls Club to get that average. I'm sorry, I wanted to make that uh, very clear and transparent. Thank you. Councilmember Roberts. Yeah, appreciate you guys taking time to do that. I know number crunching and yeah, Excel kind of makes it a little bit easier. But um, yeah, we're actually very close to the remaining amount. Um, so I mean, I'll let the rest of council if they have any questions. But as, what I'm thinking is, some of them higher than what I want, some are lower than what I wanted, but in the end, it's the mix of all the camp, the council's inputs. So I'm all for just approving the averages and letting the staff adjust a little bit to make it meet the, like need just by a few dollars here and there to make it meet that uh, 757,000. Uh, are you but, suggesting, I'm sorry, are you suggesting taking the 3,000, the difference and spreading that evenly among these yeah. six individual um, yes, just agencies. Yes, even and yeah, because it's only off by a very, very small percentage. Okay. And that would get it done tonight and that way all the remaining nonprofits get some funding and can start getting getting to work with it. So while there's, um, there's others who want to comment, um, before I open it up to anyone else, I'm gonna make sure I get my comments in here before a motion jumps on the floor. 
Um, I do believe and appreciate that as we're working through this, this actually gets us to a, maybe another phase and what, what we're gonna have to do. And so thank you, Vice Mayor Stockton, for being able to uh, provide your, your input. Uh, my first position, and I, I'm not gonna make the motion, but I'm gonna make uh, my, my comments known. While these are averages, I think most of us, and I don't wanna speak for the whole council, but for me, they're, they're fairly close enough that I would say that it really is getting to the essence of what we're talking about. It, for me, except for one, the Health Education Council, I heard that there were others on the council that also felt the same way that I did, and that it, um, it was an entity that was not part of Vacaville during the pandemic, and therefore there's many on that particular one that did not allocate any money, and so there was truly not consensus and so um, my belief, at least from my perspective, is that falls in that category. Secondly, I would also say that in my view, working for the police department for all those years, that's what, that's what our family investigative response services team does with all our clinical services. And so I, my view of this is when I saw them, they are actually doing something in another organization in another city, very similar to Vacaville. And Vacaville is a nice model. So I, me personally, I don't, I didn't see the need, first of all, to allocate funding to an outside entity to try and stand up something that was really uh, requiring staffing when that is exactly what we do here in the city already. And so with that, I just want to share my comments. The other ones, if it were me, my idea would be you take the 44,285.71 plus the, the difference, create that more in the averages, and then, and then I think that I would be satisfied. So Council Member Wiley. I was just going to ask about the, in the past, when you offer someone a grant that's much less than they asked, do they usually say, well, we'll work with what you have? I wanted what the likelihood was that all these people would take the money that was offered and try to come up with something. For example, you know, the Health Education Council did ask for, you know, much, much more than that. So I didn't know if, because I don't, that paper's not, on here anymore, I mean, it was something like 600,000. Yeah, so so what was the likelihood that they would take that? I don't know if you have any past history or could you make any projections or would you think that if we offered this amount, all those groups would probably say, yes, we'll take whatever you're offering, even though it's not what we asked for. I'm not certain if anybody's here representing that particular group, but- Are any of the groups that are in under that category? Yeah, so Emily, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you. Uh, in my experience, it depends. <laughs> so, and I apologize for that. And there are occasions where, especially with like an existing program, they can scale it. Um, sometimes, with, and not all, all times, but sometimes with a new project, it is they do need all the staffing or all of this to get it going. Um, but I, right now, I couldn't speak on behalf of each individual agency on this list. Um, typically, we reach out to them and find out if they can scale their project and still meet their goals. And then we would just have to say, if they say, no, we don't need it, divvy up what's left among the other ones or something. We, I just don't want to have a plan for That's if there was money left in the pot after we offered things up. That was my question. Thank you, Council Member Silva. Um, I think that uh, we can form a subcommittee and come back next go around our next meeting to uh, propose and discuss it further. 
and I'd like to be on it. That's what I think we should do. Thank you. Any other comments from the council? Well, I certainly would like to also form the subcommittee. There's un there are unanswered questions. I see that, uh, as I had said before, the Health Education Council. It's not it's not a position that they're not a good entity uh, in what they do. My estimation from my review was is they're they're having to stand up a lot of staff and to create an operation where most of the funding went. And so the idea of scaling is a good question. I think for the others, um, since these are larger amounts with, with the exception of the Health Education Council uh, allocation. Um, well, if there are no other comments, I, I'm gonna make a motion that we do create the subcommittee. If, if, that's, if that's something that you think you want, uh, otherwise we can have a discussion. And I'm open to the discussion before a motion. Vice Mayor Stockton. I just want to know of my colleagues who wants to be on the subcommittee. Besides um, member Silva, or excuse me, Silva. Council member Wiley. I'm easily be on the subcommittee. Okay. In, well, it would only be three of us. So um, that's council member Richie. So that, I think that's, that's a problem. It, I, it, wants to be on it. I want to be on it. Someone wants to be on it. I prefer to. Yeah. So, so, the, so the idea behind this would be, this is not to come up with the what was final. It's to understand the questions that are unresolved from the council tonight. It would still have to then be formulated into a recommendation. Yeah. To Vice Mayor Stockton's point, it would still then be open to discussion at the council level, and it would be open for public comment based upon what that recommendation yeah. is. Okay. So the concept of three on this council, sitting down, answering those questions and being able to make viable recommendations based upon all the input that we have, because that would be the expectation for the rest of the council that's not there, that you would take all that into consideration. So I would like to at least mention, um, I did a quick math, to take the 44,000, I won't round up, it's not. <laughs> $44,285.71. You add $34.09.86. Add that together, divide by five. We, we can right now solve the problem. Just increase other five groups to $9,539.11. Therefore, we divide funds up. We can walk away done today. So the health education gets nothing. Every other group gets $9,539.11. In addition, until we have here the averages and we're done. Councilmember Silva. I think it's important to understand why they're asking for what for each item. And that's that's my that's where I do see a value in us in the subcommittee, whoever would be on it, uh, to understand why they're asking for what. Uh, it kind of goes back to some of the questions. Can you actually spend it? So uh, you know, cause some of these some of these folks, like for example, um uh, police activities lead. Right, so if they're asking for certain funds to purchase a certain uh, piece of equipment or attend a take a set amount of kids, uh, you know, kids to wherever uh, different conferences, um, then uh, you know it's kind of hard. They would have to come back and ask for additional funding or figure out how to fundraise for additional funding. So to me, I think that's the benefit of kind of uh, giving the the rest of these uh, particular reputable clubs or excuse me, uh, nonprofits. Um, you know, uh, another look through, we ask questions to their point of contacts, get that back, report back to council. And 
I should help them, including the Health Education Council. So motion to make a second. Sorry, did I jump ahead? I didn't have any other comments, but this is why it's open for this discussion. Now, what I'm sensing is, is there are some on the council that want to move for a subcommittee. We have a motion. We have other ideas. So with that motion, there is one motion for a subcommittee, and there are ideas. But do I have a second on at least that motion? We have a motion and a second from Vice Mayor Stockton. Well, we did roll call before, so let's do a roll call on this one. Yes. Council Member Chapman. Yes. Council Member Roberts. Yes. Council Member Wiley. Yes. Council Member Stockton. Yes. Council Member Ritchie. Yes. Mayor Harley. Yes. So we have a subcommittee, and the, the key now is to make sure that we have the right people on the subcommittee. So I, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily have to be me. <laughs> no. I know, Sylvia, you wanted to be on the subcommittee. I know that there's there's a request down here, but I can I don't need to be on the subcommittee. This is really about working through the rest of this process. Well, we, we can't do a, we can't we can't, we can't create a trying to get us in trouble. Right. The only the three are going to be able to discuss this because that will be the that will be the I'll, I'll pull my name out. So we have we have uh, Vice Mayor Stockton. Yes. I'd like a motion that Council Member Silva, um, that Councilwoman, well, actually both of them, because those okay, they all put in effort. I think that they'll bring back something fruitful there. So Councilwoman Chapman and Wiley. Do we have a motion? Do we have a second? I'll second. All right, so we have a separate, uh, we have a second. All in favor? Aye. 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 All right, there's your subcommittee. Wow. <laughs> Item 9B, Mr. City Manager. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, and thank you, uh, Council and members of the audience. We appreciate your patience in allowing us to get through that exercise. All right, um, item 9B is a resolution for the City Council to discuss approving an exclusive negotiating rights agreement between the City of Vacaville and Mango Materials. We have uh, Justin Cole, our Interim uh, Acting Director of Utilities, and uh, some friends. So with that, I will turn it over to them for presentation. Thank you, City Manager. Uh, good evening, Mayor Carley, Vice Mayor Stockton, Council members. Uh, tonight before you, we have the exclusive negotiating rights agreement between the City of Vacaville and Mango Materials. I have um, Molly Morris from Mango Materials and Larissa Morris from Vacaville Utilities Department. Good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor, and Council members. Mango Materials is a renewable bioproducts company that produces environmentally friendly alternative to traditional plastics and polyesters. For many years, Mango has been working in with Silicon Valley Clean Water to repurpose biogas from their plant to produce biopolymers. Easterly Wastewater Treatment Plant also produces biogas, which could be used by Mango to produce the biopolymer. 
For the next stage in their business development, Mango is looking to, for a physical site to establish a flagship plant. During their site search, Mango met with utilities department staff and conducted a tour of the plant. After the tour, Mango expressed an interest in constructing their flagship site at Easterly. At this time, I would like to introduce Mango's CEO, Molly Morse, who will provide an overview of Mango materials and what they propose to bring to the city of Akron. Thank you so much for your time. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Mango Materials. And we have a vision to change the plastics industry. So as you know, plastics are traditionally made from ancient fossil fuels and can harm um, the natural environment if they're improperly disposed of. Now, aside from this, there's also that question of methane, which is produced from wastewater treatment plants. What can we do with this? So looking at both methane and plastics, and people often think, oh, well, we recycle, so aren't we doing something about plastics? Unfortunately, we're not gonna recycle our way out of the plastic pollution problem, although we should still recycle and support that as much as we can. We need alternatives. And our company fully believes that biodegradables are the future. And we view methane, which is the key component in biogas, such as produced from anaerobic digestion at wastewater treatment plants like Easterly, we view this biogas as the potential gold mines of the future. So what we do at our company is we take this methane, the methane that is in the biogas from anaerobic digestion. We take that biogas, feed it to naturally occurring bacteria that produce a biopolymer inside their cell walls. So this biopolymer is naturally occurring and we harvest it and convert it into environmentally friendly pellets. So this is um, traditional plastics, or generally you melt down pellets to make an existing plastic good. Well, these are our alternatives that are made from methane and produced by bacteria and naturally occurring. So these pellets get converted into other everyday plastic goods. They look and perform very similarly to existing plastics. But what's different about what we produce is that they can be biodegradable in natural environments, or even if they end up back in anaerobic environments like wastewater treatment plants. And the end product of wastewater treatment plant anaerobic digestion is actually methane. So we ha can conceivably have this completely closed loop cradle to cradle cycle. This is the big dream, the big vision, but what we're focused on right now is taking methane, feeding it to bacteria to produce this biopolymer. Now the biopolymer can go into a lot of different things. It's called PHA, polyhydroxyalkanoid. I'll spare you the technical details, but it's similar in performance to polypropylene, except that it's biodegradable. So it's used often for injection molded plastics, for fiber extrusion, but our first large um, commercial partners with a Brazilian company called Natura. Americans may be familiar with them because they own the body shop and they own Avon. They also own Aesop. We produce the pellets that get melted down to make a biodegradable soap dish for them. But we are looking to expand and scale up our process. So we are a next generation biomanufacturing company. Um, what I described in our cycle, this is not commonly done. We're one of the only companies on the planet right now that are feeding methane gas to bacteria to produce a bioproduct. But we know that this is the future. 
we've worked at the small benchtop scale for actually almost a couple decades now. We've had a pilot facility and we've had a launch facility at Silicon Valley Clean Water in Redwood City, California, where we've been operating that since 2020. What we're looking for now is a site for our flagship plant. This will be on the order of 5 million pounds per year of product produced, and it will be a significant scale up for our existing facility. Now, we've had a wonderful relationship with Redwood City and Silicon Valley Clean Water. The challenge there is we just don't have the square footage. We don't have the site. Um, there's no space there to expand. So we're looking for our first commercial facility um, and we would love for it to be located here in Vacaville. So um, you can see pictures of what this looks like. It's a 30 foot tall fermentation vessel and we are looking to advance the site on the Easterly, um, in the Easterly footprint, which is right here, um, right by the creek. So what we are looking for specifically is to use the methane that's on site. We would pay for it and we are looking for a long-term supply agreement. So what we're looking for today is just um, approval to advance in the negotiations and the discussion here. But what we're ultimately looking for long-term is a host for this site. We want it to be a showcase for the bio, um, bio economy. We anticipate local jobs and we'd love to help highlight this region as a picture of economic and environmental resiliency. So with that, I'm happy to answer any questions and I thank you for your time. Thank you. And uh, I'm gonna turn it over to a question for Greg Ritchie. I just want to thank you so much. I just want to congratulate you. This is amazing. Um, it's pretty amazing. I had the opportunity to um, go to the bio conference, so bio life, bio life science conference the last few years. Um, this project being the only facility outside of Silicon Valley, we have a rare opportunity to kind of put our money where our mouth is. We have all the right elements. We have the land, proximity, and right now we have a vision. We're, we're, we're currently working with Don Burst and the whole team to really um, show that life science corridor between Davis and, and South South San Francisco. Like, it's a chance. Like, when you're here, it's awesome. You're a female CEO. That, 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 that's awesome. But, um, and really, that's that's a great accomplishment. And what you're doing, what you're creating is amazing. You're solving problems. You know, you're, you're not adding, adding on to another. You're, you're becoming a new solution. You're solving problems. And I think the Hatfactville really put the stamp down where we're having bio companies come to Vacaville we're putting our mark right here as being the corridor and having the first of its kind. It just, it really speaks to our vision. So I'm excited. Thanks. Why we're here. <laughs> Councilmember Roberts. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, this is awesome. The the whole premise of what you guys do is is really cool and amazing, and especially this way we want to uh, see the, the way backfill is going with biomanufacturing, advanced manufacturing. Also in the direction I like to go, more sustainability, renewable, not just energy, but renewable products as well. And using some that typically be a waste product and making something useful out of it that's not harmful to the environment. So yeah, uh, I really like this idea. I'm definitely supporting you guys moving forward with discussions with the city. Council Member Silva. Uh, just a few questions. Um, how many uh, jobs would you guys expect about to be formed by this? We anticipate um, 45 permanent positions and then uh, construction and other contracting as support in addition to that. So who are you going to hire from? Yeah. What? Who are you going to hire from? 
Um, uh, we'd love to hire local people. Um, we need um, a, a range of people from entry level positions to uh, more senior level management. And then along those lines, um, does your company believe in contributing to some type of community benefit? I mean, you sat here for like um, yeah, a we're, couple hours. Right? Yeah, so actually, so we're a B Corp. Mm -hmm. So we have um, a number of, of programs and um, interested in advancing that as well. Uh, including maybe perhaps some of the nonprofits today. <laughs> yeah, um, the non yeah um, we uh, actually, so we do do a lot of education as part of this. Um, so we, I mean, depending on our relationship with the host site, we love to do tours and education. And we believe that actually that's a large part of our vision is educating the end consumer to vote with their dollars. So actually part of my passion stems from someone who came to my second grade class and talked about plastics. And that's why I've been obsessed with this. So we very much believe in giving back, educating children. And we believe that Gen Z will ultimately, hopefully save us from plastic pollution. So speaking to that. And great teachers. Yes. <laughs> um, question for the city, were other companies, have any other companies or uh, expressed interest site since we're looking at exclusive negotiation rights? No, Mango's the only one that's approached us with using property that uh, they've asked for. To play with uh, Bart. So if you guys don't know, uh, methane's... Yeah, and burps, too. Two sides. It's in the burps. The science side. <laughs> Somebody would laugh. Uh, no, I, I think um, I'm, I'm happy. I know uh, other comments, but I'm happy to support and really excited. Uh, you guys considered Vacaville, and uh, we look forward to seeing what you guys come back with, along with staff, uh, to best serve mutual interest. Really excited. Councilmember Wiley. Uh, thank you for being here. I was excited when I read it in the agenda, and I'm even more excited to see you sitting there talking about it. It looks wonderful, and you're a fellow uh, teacher, so I'm glad that you have this great idea and will save our planet. So, working on it. Councilmember Chapman. Thank you. I concur with everything that's been stated thus far. I would like to ask. Uh, Councilmember Silva inquired about the number of jobs that uh, the plant would create. What about the uh, wages? Yeah, so that's an excellent question. Um, our current company wages range from 70K to 200K. So I would anticipate them being in that range. That's the here. minimum? Yeah, with, minimum is 65K. Yeah. Okay. I like the concept because, um, yeah, we got to do everything we can to save, save the earth. Yep. Right. Save the earth. It's hard. <laughs> I have one question before we open up to public comment. Just out of curiosity, I mean, clearly you're interested in it. You've created a niche. Uh, if either you or staff can maybe explain how this opportunity came about, because it's not like you looked in the yellow pages for an opportunity <laughs> like this, right? I mean, we clearly have what most people realize a plant that is state of the art. We are in the Bay Area. And so how does a relationship like this? And, and I do understand this is just really a uh, an entry point, a, a point of, to begin negotiation from an exclusive right. But how does a relationship like this even start? Who picks up the phone and how did it happen? I'm happy to answer that. Um, so we have a database of every methane producer in the world that we track, and actually including 
planets as well, because there's methane on Titan and Mars. Um, so we have a database and we track it and sort it by type. Anaerobic digestion from wastewater treatment plant is our favorite form of methane. And then we are looking for sites that are of a certain size. So generally the very large ones like um, Sickney in, in Chicago or EB Mud or um, San Jose, they often have programs to upgrade something with their methane. So we're looking for a sweet spot that's big enough that it makes economic sense, but small enough that the methane is still available. So uh, Vacaville completely fit, fits that. We're also looking for the cultural alignment. So um, the vision that we share here is not with every anaerobic digestion facility. So we're specifically looking at anaerobic digestion. That's like really the rate limiting step for us. And so um, we're looking for someone who wants to do something with their methane, who's, who wants to host us. We anticipate people, our investors are from all over the world as are our customers. So we anticipate a ton of actually hotel room visits and restaurants and coffee shop visits. But um, we are looking for a place where we can bring people from all over the world to visit this facility. So, and we're from California originally, it's just, um, very hard to stay where we currently are in Redwood City. So we wanted a place where we could have a lot of international visitors. So in between Sacramento, San Jose, Oakland, and San Francisco, being able to fly in there, Vacaville just meets every single requirement we're looking for. And so we have a team that went through the whole database, a bunch of consultants that reached out, and that's how I got connected with Justin Cole. Thank you. Sure. It's just an interesting question because it's not every day that you have an opportunity like this. And so... Anyway, with that, thank you very much for the presentation. I'm going to open it up to public comment. Oh, you had another question? Okay, hold on. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, quickly, what is the byproduct from your operation? Um, so the byproduct is mainly cellular debris. So the bacteria produce the biopolymer inside their cell walls. So the residual is biomass, essentially, so, sort of like dirt. Um, that can be anaerobically digested back to methane. That's the key byproduct. Okay. So I, the picture of the uh, plant, very tall tower, yep. like a silo. Yep. Um, when I see that, I'm, I, I can envision smoke or something coming out of the... Yeah, there's, there's no smoke. I mean, the bacteria respire... Um, the, the, there could be waste methane or there could be CO2 as part of the gas handling system, but no, the key, the key product is biogas and PHA. That's where the carbon goes. So the bacteria are sort of like us. They, instead of eating sugar or fat, they eat methane and then they produce the biopolymer inside their cell walls, sort of like how a human would get fat. And so you can imagine if we eat we could get fat, we could get fat cells, we could um, release some heat. So the bacteria could release heat they could kind of sweat, reduce, respire water, um, but there's no toxic byproducts. There's no smoke. Um, yeah, um, yeah. It's a ferment. Yeah, it's it's a fermentation system. Yeah, exactly. It's like um, like brewing beer. If you go take a look at Genentech, they have similar yeah. fermentation. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very similar to anything Genentech would have, except we're feeding gas, and that's why you see those tall, skinny tanks, mm -hmm. because you need a special design to feed the gas, and that's what makes our company unique, is that we're not doing sugar fermentation. Thank you. Sorry, too much technical no, detail. Interesting. Thank you. Are right, we're going to open up for public comment.
That sounds pretty exciting. I have a couple of questions. Well, one comment first, I used to, when I worked out at Fire Station 3, it's now 73, we had a uh, vaccine producer there. And it was quite, uh, it had a certain ambiance, quite a smell. Uh, but you're gonna be out at East early anyway, so I don't think that's gonna be an issue. My question, well, we know that microplastics have already entered our food chain. And I'm curious if this would, because it's biodegradable, will eliminate microplastics, and then we won't have that issue in our food chain. That's just a question I'd ask him that. That's correct. Yeah, it, it, it eliminates them, so we won't have that problem, yeah. Council, thank you. Um, thank you for the presentation. I, I just read in the description that there's truckloads going in at five per, per day or something like that. Is that bringing plastics in? What is that doing? Um, those are anticipated deliveries. Okay. Um, so, it, and it's perhaps an overestimate, estimate, but it's just um, the bacteria also need trace levels of nutrients. There could be other shipment for supplies and things and like that. Semis. So, sir, if you could just direct oh, your question. They're, they're the semis. Council. You just direct oh, your sorry. question to the <laughs> council. And we so, need to ask the question. So my question is also, are those semis coming and going from the facility? Okay. When you think about the location and the traffic patterns, uh, I think that's a thing that's not looked at a lot of right. times, uh, a traffic patterns, okay. especially for um, Elmira and stuff. Sure. Good point. Thank you. Um. Yeah, I mean, that would have to be addressed as part of this feasibility study. There's probably a way to minimize that. Um, it's and it currently supplies. is an industrial facility, and we do have a traffic route that basically avoids Elmira and the bridge that goes right over there by the, the corner of the plant. So it would just be kind of additive to what we already have. Thank you. Any other comments from the, from the public? All right, we'll bring it back to council. Um, Councilmember Schiller. Uh, sir, do you live in Elmira? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and so I just want to clarify for the uh, thank you uh, for the public and those who are interested, uh, maybe impacted. How would so just to clarify, this is just to continue the conversations. It's not an official approval of this project. Um, if in fact that comes back, uh, how uh, is there an ETA or how will the public uh, know what's being proposed? Like you said, this is just basically the process to start the negotiations um, with Mango Materials. I think anything that we do put together will come before this board for approval and adoption. Well, my, I guess my, my point is just publicly, it's, it's not a, a set deal. And a lot of those little details uh, can continue to be worked out with staff. Mr. City Manager. So just to be more specific, um, this is the first step as everyone has shared. The next step is to figure out the terms the, the development process, the, you know, the specifics and the process. Um, and so that will be brought back to the council in the form of a development and disposition agreement for your approval. And that will identify all the details of the terms of leasing the property. Um, it will include the, the uh, design review process, if there is one and what that looks like, the, the timelines in which to deliver those uh, items that will all be brought back to city council for consideration and discussion. Uh, like the motion to approve. And this, it's uh, the only action is uh, just to adopt the subject resolution. So we have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? 
All right. Item 9C. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, this is a very similar item to this item that you just reviewed. Um, I confess that as I present this to you, I do not have all the cool graphics and the uh, fun stories that go with it, but it is another environmental sustainability issue related to a proposed battery storage project. Uh, with, and so we have another proposed um, exclusive negotiation rights agreement with Menard Battery Storage uh, LLC and the city on a particular piece of property owned by the city currently. And so next slide, please. So this is the old Gibson water treatment plant that you'll see up there um, located on North Leisure Town Road, uh, north of North Village. And it's important to point out that the reason that this site is being um, selected uh, for said use is because of its proximity to the PG&E substation that you can see immediately there to the east. Um, the concept of a battery storage project is, is that the uh, facility will be comprised of multiple battery storage uh, facilities that will take advantage of um, peak or off-peak uh, power that's coming from that PGE substation. So with that, next slide, please. So a little bit of background. Um, in January of 2009, uh, the city um, got approval for the final closure of the Gibson Canyon Creek wastewater treatment uh, facility. Um, shortly thereafter, which means that the, the plant was closed. We had no further use for it. And so um, in February of 2020, the city of council approved a resolution uh, authorizing staff to move forward with declaring the property surplus property so that we could um, pursue other uh, options for the use of that property because after um, evaluating um, potential options for that site, we determined that the city does not have any uh, need for that for any uh, city facilities or services. So um, best thing we uh, suggested to council at that time was to move forward with the surplus property. We also have an agreement with uh, Mariani company uh, for that property that we detail in the staff report and the relationship with that particular group. And that also that agreement um, encourages the city to um, move forward with the sale of that property if, if deemed appropriate. So um, that's what occurred in February, 2020. Shortly thereafter, in August of 2020, we received a request from Menard Energy um, to develop a full-scale uh, battery storage facility on the site. Um, at that time, because of some uh, concerns um, about that particular industry um, and some occurrences in, in unfamiliarity with it, if you will, and some um, activities that occurred, um, the council at that time um, directed uh, Menard Energy to explore other sites and more industrial zones. Next slide, please. And, and to their credit, Menard Energy did evaluate a, a variety of other sites, um, but they came back and um, explained that this particular property is the most optimum because of its proximity to the uh, Becca Dixon substation that I mentioned to you before. Um, and then most recently, they submitted another revised proposal. So with that, next slide. So. This particular proposal that I'll show you a plan here in just a moment includes uh, a new partner, a national partner, Vistra Energy. Uh, they made revisions to their site plan from the prior uh, proposal, which made sure that the entire battery storage facility was less visible to the surrounding residential properties. And with this particular project, they incorporated a community recreation element. Uh, with that proposed and revised site plan, um, they are now requesting approval to enter into that negotiation uh, rights agreement. Um, that particular agreement would um, allow 
the city to work exclusively with Menard Energy Storage, but it does not uh, ensure that the property is sold or that the project is approved for said use, as was explained in the, in the prior um, item for consideration. Next slide, please. So here's a um, proposed site plan for the project, as you can see there on the east portion in gray. Uh, those are the um, proposed battery storage elements, and they're located north of the creek there, surrounded by vegetation and um, some new plantings and all. And so that is for purposes of screening the facility from the residential properties to the south and west. Um, the community recreation element is shown there in concept. Um, it does include um, in concept a variety of different elements. Um, but I would just like to, you know, ensure the council that um, once again, this particular process is exclusively for um, allowing the first step in this process to move forward, to allow um, the Menard Energy Storage Company to begin all the um, data collection and the, and the other pieces of the process for CEQA compliance, design review, public outreach, uh, feasibility studies, uh, health and safety, all those elements would have to be evaluated during this process should the council move forward with the NRA. So, um, that is part of the evaluation before you. And um, as was shared at the last item, um, this in no way guarantees the approval of that particular uh, project. So with that, so tonight we have the proposed uh, NRA, which would allow a 12 month negotiating period. Um, there is the ability to grant an additional 90 days of progress is being made and potentially another nine month extension just because we're not only working with um, our local agency, but you're also working with the California Energy Commission. And some of the items to be negotiated, I've kind of highlighted already, but the property purchase terms, the development review process, the project schedule, and then details of the proposed community benefit. Keep in mind, I'll just mention um, that a little bit further that we did recently adopt a parks and rec master plan, which has you know some um, uh, more immediate needs um, that were identified in there. And we also have to, you know, evaluate uh, what's needed, what's appropriate there, et cetera. So with that, next slide. Um, this particular request before you is exempt from CEQA. There is no um, funds requested for this item at this time. And so our recommendation is that the council uh, consider adopting the exclusive negotiating rights agreement with Menard Energy Storage um, to develop a battery energy storage facility and we are available to answer any questions. Um, Dale Fredericks from Menard Energy Storage is in attendance tonight as well, and he's available for questions also. Thank you. Open up to the council for any questions, comments. Councilmember Silva. Right. Thank you, Aaron, or City Manager Bush. Just to clarify, no other, no other groups have expressed interest in this particular property, correct? That is correct. And also, that uh, none of this is binding, that it's going to happen. It just allows us to continue the conversation. That is correct. And all those terms that we mentioned under negotiating uh, terms would come back in the form of uh, another development disposition agreement or an option agreement um, for council's consideration. Thank you. Any other questions or comments before I open it up? Council Member Ritchie. I just want to kind of echo off what Council Silva said. Um, this, this is exploration and kind of discovery. I just want to make sure that when you bring your findings back the next time, I just want to make sure for the community that, you know, we make sure that the fire services um, have the appropriate fire service tools like trucks, engines, and equipment, 
and, and mitigation and training. So any of this, I mean, it was wrong. We, we find out we're not understaffed or don't have the right training or tools and equipment to, to make sure if it goes wrong, we're able to handle and make sure our fire department, if we need more engines or trucks or special training, that, that that's a part of the study. So please make sure that's included work for our fire department, make sure like we can analyze what we already have, what do we need to make sure that our community is safe. Well, I'll just add a um, the question. This is also the property is surplus property, correct? That's correct. Okay. Seeing no other questions, I'm going to open it up to the public for comment. Hello. Um, I live on Leisure Town Road, just a few houses down from this proposed project. I wanted to speak to you today against putting a battery storage in a residential neighborhood because of safety concerns. You're gonna have a lot of opposition if the city goes ahead and goes forward with this project and more people learn about it. There's only a handful of these facilities in the world. Um, to my knowledge, there is no existing battery storage surrounded by residential homes. Most are located in an industrial area or in a big open space. I'm presuming Menard Energy will tell you that these facilities are perfectly safe, but I urge you to do your own research. Um, large battery storage is a new technology. No one knows the long-term effects of living next to one. But regardless, there has already been recorded malfunctioning equipment, fires, explosions, and toxic smoke at these places. The fires are extremely difficult to put out. Here in California, the Moss Landing battery storage was built in 2018. Since then, it has had three separate incidents in the last two years with batteries catching on fire or equipment malfunctioning, causing businesses and residents to shelter in place due to the dangers of breathing burned battery acid that is dangerous and even deadly. The Salt River Project in Arizona has three new battery storage facilities. Two of those facilities have already caught fire. In 2019, safety measures in the building failed to contain the fire, and there was an explosion, injuring and hospitalizing several firefighters. So when the second facility caught fire just last year in 2022, they let the fire burn itself out. People working nearby complained of smoke that burned their eyes and throat. This forces businesses in the surrounding area to evacuate for two weeks. Finally, a robot was deployed inside to give the all clear. There are many other places with documented failures and fires if you look for them. Some fires caused by the very safety equipment that is supposed to stop them. My point being, I do not believe this belongs in a residential neighborhood. There is already roughly 600 households nearby with a thousand more homes being built in the North Village expansion that's gonna show up directly across in that empty lot that you saw on the map there, thousand more homes right across the street. I, this will surround the battery storage with houses and families and people that just wanna live there safely. If the city intends to enter into this agreement, I hope they recognize that they will be liable to safely evacuate and displace nearly 2,000 residents if and when this becomes a problem. I'd like to know who would be responsible to oversee the maintenance of the facility and ensure all safety equipment is functioning properly. Can we count on Menard Energy and his partner? Do they have a good track record of producing safe energy facilities? If we're looking at Moss Landing as an example, I'd say no. Then if there's a fire, I'd also like to know who'd be responsible for the damage to personal property, potential loss of life and health effects caused by the project. Would it be the city, Menard Energy or both? 
My Thank time you. is up. So Thank my husband you. will continue. <laughs> If entered into this contract, the city should be prepared and able to fight these fires safely and have all necessary equipment and training, as told earlier. The sale of this property shouldn't put our first responders in danger in any way, as well as have a hazmat cleanup plan in place for leaked chemicals into groundwater. Plus, this, this site wasn't a wastewater treatment site that still requires monitoring. Will it be able to be monitored with this development and battery storage buildings built on top of it? I know the city wants to sell this vacant land, but it doesn't seem the promised amenities such as community center warrants the potential dangers to the thousands of city and county residents living nearby. I can't find any large scale battery storage system in residential areas. I can see why. They produce toxic smoke, catch on fire, require hazmat cleanups, and we don't know what the long-term effects are. They don't belong near homes, and I'm urging you to keep this away from ours. Thank you. Please vote no and move this project away from the people's homes and into an appropriate area. You talked about the re the um, business areas. That's more appropriate place. And in our research, the main danger is the toxic smoke that can be burning for weeks, displacing all residents. Can you or Menard Energy guarantee that that won't happen? And does the benefit of this actually outweigh the risks to the local residents. I'd wanna make sure that there's enough liability insurance to cover the cost of the homes potentially lost in fires. And the, the business that's wanting to do this, Menards, they may give you all the answers you wanna hear, but please do your own research. And the last thing I wanna say is please consider building an asset to the community that does not negative, negatively affect the local residents we're all for building something that will help out the community. We're, we're fine with that. But I don't believe that this battery storage is gonna actually help out the local community at all. I, I believe this goes for California, but nothing local. And on top of it, we were talking about jobs earlier. How many jobs are gonna be made for this for locals? How many local residents will benefit? So that's all I have, thank you. Thank you. Come on up. Uh, Mayor Carley, Vice Mayor Stockton, members of the council staff. I'm Dale Fredericks here for Priority Energy Storage. I've had the pleasure of working with prior council and staff for nearly three years to explore the feasibility of doing an energy storage project here in Stockton in the Vacaville at a location that is ideal for both the project and the electric transmission system. And fundamentally what the city has is a great asset in a strange sense of the word is this old Gibson Creek wastewater treatment plant site, which has been dormant for many years. It is immediately adjacent to the PG&E Vodka Dixon substation, which is a major one in the state electric system and is readily susceptible to interconnecting a large battery storage facility to the PG&E high voltage system. That's why we're focusing on this location. If you've ever visited the site, and it's difficult 
because there's a locked gate at the Legion Town Road entrance. But if you get back there, it's number one, difficult to access because there's a wooden bridge across the creek. It's a large vacant facility. It's a, like a box canyon. As you drive in, immediately ahead of you is the massive infrastructure of this PG&E substation. And both sides, you're surrounded by multiple high voltage transmission lines. From the standpoint of a project like we're proposing, it's terrific, but from many other standpoint, it's about as ugly a site as one can imagine. No one would want to utilize it for any other use than a utility use, which it has been a utility use for generations. So it's an ideal location for the city and for a company like ours to pursue. Will it be safe? Absolutely, it's going to be safe. We will use state-of-the-art equipment for the batteries themselves, the power suppression control systems, et cetera. Everyone wants it and requires it to be safe. Otherwise, you couldn't even finance it. This is a fundamental. And these stories that you sometimes hear about batteries catching on fire, and we've certain and seen pictures of Tesla cars catching on fire. That is old, antiquated technology, nothing at all like we would be utilizing for a utility-scale energy storage facility. So it will absolutely be safe. But fundamentally tonight, what we're asking the council to do is approve, as with the last project, going to the next step, negotiating some details with the city over price terms and fleshing out what this project is going to look like, how long it's going to take to build, other basic points that will be of interest. Then, as the city manager said, the next step that we will bring it back to you, and we're going to move quickly through this because we've done a lot of work already. We'll move quickly and bring it back to you for that next document, which is the development disposition agreement, which will have the details fleshed out and set forth the conditions. Now, when we get to that point, we then go to the third step, which is permitting. We'll go through the entire permitting process required by CEQA. We'll do public outreach. All the issues that the citizens of Vacaville will be concerned about will be addressed at that time. It's not for tonight's discussion or decision. But we'll get to that, and I'm 100% confident we'll satisfy all the concerns of everyone about safety, visual impacts, and so forth. One of the things on the slides that the city manager put up tonight it shows you an aerial view of that region. But if you were to stand along the entrance of Leisure Town Road, where people would enter for the energy site and for this new sports complex we're proposing as a community amenity, what you see today, and you go out there and look, in the distance you see all the PG&E infrastructure, the transmission lines, and trees along the creek. And that's what you'll see when this project is finished, except you'll see more trees along the tree creek because we're proposing to plant more to further visually screen anything east of the creek where all this equipment will go. So you won't, as members of the public, you won't see this project once it's built. You won't hear it because it doesn't make noise. You won't smell it. It'll be oblivious to it. There's minimal traffic. 
We won't have that many employees. I don't know how many yet, but there'll be minimal traffic because it's all computer operated and overseen. So please tonight proceed with us to go to the next step. We'll demonstrate to everyone's total satisfaction that this is a terrific project for the city. And I'm confident that we'll answer all questions that members of the public will have about every aspect of it. Any other questions? I'd be happy to address them. Thank you, seeing none. I appreciate the uh, the information. Well, I do see something. Okay, sorry. Yes. Apologies if you have time for one more. Absolutely, it's uh, public comment right now. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, and congratulations all for your uh, recent commitment here. Uh, my name is Clint Mata. Most of you in the room know me as Clint, and uh, what I saw was an opportunity for more youth opportunity for the sports fields and uh, the future development. And as I looked at it, and it was a post on Facebook, I, I explored a little bit more. And it's, it's a unique uh, crossover between what I do uh, as a volunteer and what I do as a profession. As a volunteer, I've been uh, president of the Little League for, what, a decade current uh, baseball coach at Vacaville Christian High School. Um, that's what I do in my free time. What I do in my profession is I'm a senior project manager for Total Energies that focuses on projects of this size. Uh, currently manage projects in 31 states, just under a billion dollars of revenue for Total. Uh, in the states, you would know uh, a company called SunPower, and we own SunPower, we're the primary owners of it. Very familiar with the Moss Landing project and uh, the defense of both parties that have spoke. That was a decommissioned nuclear site at one point um, that has had several issues, one in fire safety and then in an actual thermal event. And that's what we call it in the industry. We don't use the word fire very often. Um, I believe, and I'm sure they can speak more to it, would be that system has been down more than it's been operational in the last event in September, I believe it was 21st of 2022, uh, that was significant. In fact, the fire department went on record about needing to let it burn out because you just simply can't fight this stuff with water. Uh, what we do in the industry is we spend quite a bit of money and due diligence in these types of projects. I believe you know uh, they're prepared to do so certain action items that I think would be very beneficial. And this would be part of that permitting process that we work with AHJs across the country is a, um, a fire safety analysis of the batteries they wish to include. Uh, that's a pretty common practice to have that part of the permit packet. And I would like to share my love for the city, my passion for the business and uh, any questions that you guys guys and gals might have in regards to a professional opinion of such, uh, I would like to offer my opinion. That's it. Thank Any you. Questions? Cool. Thank, Thank you. you. Any other comments? Uh, put my head on as a citizen faculty first. Uh, this me, future, energy storage, battery farm, uh, 
it's where we need to be going. I can get excited about it. I know there's risks because of lithium batteries, but to have the expertise to ask the right questions to be sure that safety risks are minimizing them. But I'd really like to see that happen. Uh, personally, I live with lithium batteries. I drive an electric vehicle. I've got three Tesla batteries in my car. I face that risk personally and take an action. Let me put my uh, tennis hat on. I'm president of the uh, Solano Community Tennis Association. I just want to say thank you. What a difference a week makes. This time last week, we were preparing to speak to the Parks and Recs about the upcoming Centennial Park Master Plan. It's going to be coming to you soon. For that plan shows the current four courts going away, four tennis courts going away, being replaced by four new courts in a location that could never be expanded. Uh, we've been talking for a year and a half now with folks about our need for a, a multi-court tennis complex. Uh, eight to 12 courts to host the tennis family. We lost our home base for the tennis family at the Browns Valley uh, Country, uh, Sports Club post-pandemic in the spring of 2021 uh, when InShape Management decided to close facility for organized tennis. So suddenly we're out on the streets uh, without a way forward. We started talking to the city. We scrambled. We talked to the city, uh, Parks and Rec staff. We worked with them to use the municipal courts uh, for league play. That's only four courts, not lighted. Uh, we started first conversations with the city park planner. It was in July of 2021, 20, uh, talking in terms of what our requirements and needs were going to be. Hopefully, if we could build that out. Centennial Park's 265 acres. We thought they could, you know, fit two or three acres for tennis courts, you know, large enough complex or tennis in there. The plan as it's going forward is not going to be that. So our path was, was stymied. Tennis is a social court, uh, social sport. It, uh, it needs a larger facility for the, the whole family. Some of those things you saw with, with the nonprofits and all. That's kind of what we're looking to do. As we scrambled to make things happen, like I said, we took important to staff. We worked with the park planner. We incorporated as a nonprofit so we could speak with one voice instead of a bunch of individuals. Um, We've had the conversation continuing throughout the years, and up until last week, we were discouraged because it seems like we weren't really being heard. Uh, tennis has survived at some level, but we surely, sorely missed the full spectrum of tennis activities that are only possible at a centralized home facility. It looked like there was no place to go. And then this. Saying, wow, <laughs> what a difference a week makes. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Hi, my name is Sue Gibbs. Um, I swim with the Vacaville Swim Club and I just wanna make a comment for the pool and for the swimmers in this town. I know the city has a partnership with the Vacaville Swim Club and it's a wonderful partnership and a 50 meter pool would make a huge difference in the recreational opportunities in Vacaville. I know that this is a partly a community pool but competitively wide to have a, an Olympic sized pool would really make a difference in the competitive level that Stockton swimmers can compete, and I'm sure Vacaville Swim Club would love to be a partner with you on this project. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Ken Wildung. I've been a Vacaville resident for 40 years and retired Air Force, as is Colonel Maras, our president. We're both Vietnam vets. 
and we take tennis very seriously. We've been playing tennis for years. I've played 58 matches. These are USTA matches. That's like 270 games, matches. And I'm still pretty healthy, even though I have 30% disability and uh, appreciate uh, the comments made earlier. We're focusing not just on senior health, but learning and teaching youth of Vacaville. Our company, SCTA, has already received a sizable donation to encourage youth and children tennis. And this facility that we're just asking to, let's start negotiating and we'll be on your team to help figure out what we really need out there is a lifesaver because we worked for, like Tony said, for two, nearly two years now with the constraints of four courts when we've had 27 courts prior to COVID. So our team and everything is just, we need that home facility to be able to bring good tennis we've had before back to Vacaville, back to the youth of Vacaville, so they can grow up strong like 80 plus year old president and 78 plus year old still playing competitive tennis vice president. Thank you for your service here, by the way. We really appreciate that. God bless. Thank you. Any other comments from the public? Seeing none, I'll bring it back to council for a discussion. Vice Mayor Stockton. Yes, thank you for everyone uh, that came and either uh, spoke tonight or has reached out to me. Um, I'm, I'm interested in continuing the conversation, um, but I, I wanna make it known now that nothing is more important than the safety of, our, of the people who live in our community. Uh, I, I happen to be good friends with the Duns. Um, they have uh, helped keep our community safe in more ways than one, and um, it doesn't go unnoticed. Your concerns don't go unnoticed. But one of the things um, that you said, Bob, that I, that I really think is important is do your own research. And so my, my commitment um, toward doing my own research is um, I, I would like to continue the conversation because I think anytime we talk about something like this, um, we wanna make sure we make the right decision. Uh, and we consider all of the information. Um, you know, people have their concerns. Other people say it's safe. Let's let's find out. And and part of that would be, um, I would like to um, ask Mr. Fredericks if a, a group of our firefighters and hazmat experts from the city of Vacaville, along with myself and anybody else from the city that could come tour some of your facilities, speak with the staff, talk with some of these firefighters that. Um, that may have encountered some of the problems at some of the facilities that at least you have access to um, so that we can find out the answers. Um, I also wanna commend um, Mr. Fredericks. Um, I know that this is the third time, I think you, third, at least the third time you come to the city. Um, I think your offer, your, your proposal to include a community benefit um, it, it certainly does not go unappreciated. And, and I know that for like the last 18 months, we've been, we've been hearing about um, tennis courts. Um, and I've also heard a lot in that area about a pool. Um, it's not a surprise to me that they were in that presentation because it's in district one and, and those are two of the biggest amenities 
in District 1 that have been a hot topic of conversation. And so I appreciate you coming to the table. I appreciate you working with our local contractors to make sure that we have experienced people, um, local labor building that would be building this project. So for me, this really comes down to, is it safe? Um, that along with the community outreach and making sure that, that folks um, that live in the area or live within the community um, can maybe help dial in some of the stuff that's on there. I know we've had quite a few questions and whatnot, but um, tonight just is about whether or not we're gonna continue the conversation and whether we can do our own research. And so um, I look forward to getting some of those answers. Um, Chief Concepcion, um, I'm, I'm really gonna put a lot of this pressure on you because um, you you know the brave men and women that work for the Vacaville Fire Department are the ones that are gonna be the first responders should there be something like this, you know, something bad happen. So I really um, hope that you can be involved in whatever negotiations may may happen because ultimately um, I, if it's a $100 million asset and it's unsafe, I, I still can't support the project. There's no there's no substitute for, for the lives of people that, that live here in our town or in general. So, um, uh, those are just my comments. I want to thank everybody who waited that was patient tonight. I know we had kind of a, a long item uh, earlier, but I do appreciate that you took the time to come here and speak tonight. Many um, of you have also reached out to me and other council members, and I appreciate that input. It does not go unnoticed. So, thank you. Council Member Chapman. Thank you. Uh, the city manager, during the presentation, um, did I, was, am I correct in stating that um, CEQA or EIR is not required for this project? No, as part of the next steps and the development part disposition of okay. agreement, we would evaluate the, the, the entitlement process, which would absolutely include a CEQA evaluation. Okay, thank you. And again, just a reminder, this is simply just to get into the door, door of discussion, council direction. Correct. Council member Roberts. Yeah, uh, kind of echo a little bit what council member Stockton brought up regarding yeah, the safety aspect. Yeah, the likelihood of something happening is, is fairly low, but it's still a possibility it could happen. So maybe in discussions with the city, and Menard is any specialized equipment needed to fight a lithium fire because we know water doesn't work. It's quite volatile when you mix the two together. Um, that that might be included in the community benefits is providing the, the equipment and training required to fight that specific type of fire. Um, because yeah, you can't use water. And then also as we're seeing like this week with the, the floods and the wind, is ensuring that the elevation, because yeah, there is creeks right there that make sure it's above the floodplain and will not affect the batteries. Because yeah, we have that hazard mitigation plan where it shows the hundred-year floods, five-hundred-year floods, and what it is. But sometimes you might get exceptional weather, like we have this week. Uh, it's like you're seeing in Santa Barbara and Monterey right now. A lot of stuff's underwater that was not projected to be underwater, even in their own plans. So yeah, it's things to consider for when you have discussions with the city regarding the site. I just want to thank you for at least sharing the front end of this presentation. Obviously, 
you've been here before. It's my first involvement in front of a project like this. It's always interesting when we're trying to go into a new direction. Obviously, we've lived around PG&E in our community for a long time. And, uh, and sometimes you just don't know the risks that are around you, but then when there's an introduction of something new, the unknown can be scary. And so I sit here very much similar to the comments that I've heard on the council. Uh, public safety will always be the, the top priority. And so if it doesn't, if a project like this doesn't meet that, that measure, then I, I believe that the same way the, the public views is you don't accept something that has high probability of a safety risk without truly understanding what that is. My belief is, is that just like in our previous, there's a discussion about safety out of the treatment plant because what could this be? And so very similar to the prior uh, project that was in front of us, it was an entry into the discussion to understand where we're at. And so for that, else I'm in support of at least exploring what that looks like. I think we're in a position as a city as we grow. Um, I appreciate the question, do we get any real benefit out of it if it's, it's likely to go to the grid, but so much of battery storage is really where it's going. A lot of homes have them. This is an opportunity for us to understand and learn more about what this could do for us. Um, at the same time, weigh a benefit, but don't use that as the bypass for not looking at safety. So thank you for your, your comment. With that, uh, seeing no other comments from the council, um, anyone want to entertain a motion? Vice Mayor Stockton. Yeah, I, I uh, would motion that we have the conversation that we uh, allow them to negotiate and that we do our research. So, um, so we do this correctly. Um, does that meet the, the standard of the, the request here? Because it's far more technical. Than that. Um, just to be clear, if we can state that yeah, you approve the resolution. Thank you. There we go. Do I have a second? Hold on one second. Okay. Council member Richie will second it. All those in favor? Aye. Say aye. Opposed? Okay, it passes. <laughs> Item 9B, Mr. City Manager. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, members of the City Council. This next item before you is a resolution of the City Council approving the negotiated terms of um, memorandum of understanding between the City and our Fire Department uh, groups. I'm going to turn it over to our negotiating team of Jessica Bose, our HR Director, and Kim Matsumini, our Finance Director, for a presentation. Good evening, Mayor and Council. A little bit of background on the VFA MOU for you tonight. The contract did expire on October 31st of last year. Um, this contract has a total of 91 position budgeted positions under the VFA, and those classifications are listed here. As a review of the negotiation process, it is a data-driven one. Uh, we look at things such as comparable agencies, the consumer price index, recruitment and retention data. We receive proposals from the union, and of course, the most important thing is we take the city's budget into consideration. 
the negotiation team receives direction from the council once after once this data has been presented to them. And then we meet with the group um, and keep council updated through the process until a total tentative agreement is reached. During the process, the negotiation team meets with the group and then reports back to council in closed session. This process repeats itself until the team reaches total tentative agreement with the group. A total tentative agreement reflects the good faith effort to put forward an agreement that both parties support and that will receive approval from their respective constituents. VFA took a vote of their membership and reached ratification on the agreement proposed tonight. The agreement is being presented as a strike through document attached to the staff report. Following council approval, that would be finalized for signatures from the respective parties. Details are in the strike through, but a summary of the terms and conditions are listed here. It's a three-year term, November 1, 2022 through October 31, 2025. Cost of living adjustments are as followed. A 5% increase would be effective uh, December 25th of 2022. That is the current pay period we're processing right now. An additional 5% would be in November of 23 and a 4% in November of 24. We would begin a 1% city contribution to deferred compensation on behalf of all positions other than captain and assistant fire marshal. We would recognize Juneteenth as a holiday for this group. And we would have the addition of a new senior firefighter one level starting at two and a half percent of base pay designed to retain fully trained non non probationary employees. We would change the current senior firefighter one to a two and increase the compensation from five to 6% and the current senior firefighter two to a three and increase that compensation from 10 to 11%. There's an increase in uniform allowance from the current $1,200 a year to $1,800 a year. And not listed here is an expansion on bereavement leave to include in-laws. The strike through attachment shows brother and sister-in-law, but should also show grandparents-in-law, which will be added to the final document. We do have some cleanup language as we usually do in most of our agreements. Um, the addition of some PERS reportable compensation we've been doing as we get to each of the agreements. This was one of the final agreements we had that task to do. This increases transparency for the public as well as the employees to understand what is reported as part of their compensation for purposes of pension. We had some clarification on things like cash outs and department titles. And then in November, the council, the second part, um, second of three parts of this resolution tonight is the impact on the fire managers group. In November, the council approved the new MOU for the fire managers group. As mentioned during that item, any higher COLAs or increases in specialty pay approved for the Vacaville Firefighters Association would apply to the FMG to maintain contractual differentials. Therefore, we also have before you for approval the implementation of those differentials based on tonight's BFA agreement and shown in strike through in the attachment. So FMG will receive a 1% COLA effective the same time as VFA's 5%, the pay period that we're processing now. They also re they received a 4% November 1st of 2022, and then the 5% COLA in November of 22. Then the compaction adjustments will be made incrementally to establish the same differentials as presented to you in November. Those were a 21% differential between the fire captain and the fire battalion chief and 9.25 between the battalion chief and the deputy chief. 
and the same increase in uniform allowance. Also brought to you in, uh, in November was uh, merit increases for the city manager and city attorney. While it was the only meeting in November, it was a special council meeting due to the election and the Thanksgiving holiday in that month. Government code section 54956B requires executive salaries be approved at only regularly scheduled meetings. So no new or additional funds are being requested tonight, but to correct that action and make it um, comply with this regulation, we needed to bring it back to you for, for another approval. While labor negotiations and labor relations touch on several of the strategic plan goals and initiatives, the focus starts in three initiatives, 4A, B, and C. The successful completion of the process then impacts goals one, three, and four. The total cost for the current fiscal year is $673,000. The cost over the term for VFA is 5.4 million. It's all general fund. And all the costs include the roll-up cost to reflect increases in pension normal cost where applicable. So by simple motion, we ask that you adopt the subject resolution and we're here to answer any questions. Thank you for that. Open up to the council for questions. Seeing none, I'll open it up to the public. Council, I uh, just really felt the need to uh, come down here tonight and truly thank all of you. Uh, this process has been long and wavering, uh, some longer than others uh, to work through this. I truly feel like we, uh, we probably started pretty far apart and we really truly, I can say we came together uh, much different than any other negotiations process that I've been through. Uh, I've been through four of them. And uh, again, I'd like to truly thank all of you for your time and efforts uh, for this. Um, and also I really, really wanted to, well, uh, just to recognize the staff, uh, Jessica Bose, Ken Matsumiya, Dimple Patel, and uh, Eddie Kreisberg, money well spent on Eddie did a fantastic job, but, uh, but really these, these folks really represented our city very well. Uh, nothing but gratitude. Jessica, the fact that you're even down here tonight is admirable to say the least. So uh, thank you all for your time. Thank you. Anyone else from the floor? I'll bring it back to the council. Councilmember Ritchie. I'll make a motion to approve. Second. Okay, there's still more oh. comments here. We'll get to that approval, but we do have a motion to approve, but let me get to Councilmember Wild. Thanks. Um, I just had one question on your last, just the last slide. We talked about the total cost, I think it was 5.4 million, and that's the total cost of this increased package. Is that correct? Yes, that's the total cost for the, the three-year deal. Right, so it's not the cost of personnel for that time. It's of the increase, that's the increase over the over the time. I just want to make that clear for people to understand. Yeah, it's Thanks. the total cost of the package. All right, before the motion, I just want to say thank you to the Vacaville firefighters. And we truly do enjoy, um, I think, a public safety service here that's unique. Most don't understand that 
we're one of those rare organizations that have firefighter paramedics and there's a lot of hard work that goes out there every day. So I just want to personally say thank you. With that, the, inter the, the motion is by simple motion adopt the resolution and I have a first, a second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Passes. Thank you very much. We will move on to Mr. City Manager reports from you. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, members of the council, in light of the hour and uh, the work ahead that you still need to do on the next item, I'll be very brief, um, but I was asked to give an update on the storm conditions and the magnificent work that our public works crews, our emergency services crews did in response to the flood. Um, we've had a lot of needed weather recently um, and um, through a lot of preparation work performed by our public works departments, our creeks were, uh, were kept clear and uh, clean so that minimized uh, the amount for potential flooding, but we did ex still experience some localized flooding throughout the city in the Tulare and Duxbury areas and Southwood. Um, and because of that, uh, we felt it necessary uh, very early on Monday morning to open up our EOC, our Emergency Operations Center, um, in a minor capacity. We only had certain departments there necessary to coordinate resources and uh, timely and uh, strategic um, plans to, to address the, the flooding issues. Um, our teams were responding to over 40 calls for service. Uh, we had 12 trees going down. Um, but our teams put out over 20 pallets of sandbags. Um, we're very active in those areas that historically flood, um, being putting out preventive uh, maintenance, if you will, so that we um, quickly address the flooding concerns. There were no structures, no life-threatening uh, issues as a result of their actions. Um, we have seen the worst of the storms, um, albeit we will continue to receive more weather, um, which is needed, but um, based on our forecast, uh, we've seen the worst, thankfully. But because the ground is saturated, um, our crews will continue to be proactive and be out there monitoring all the, um, you know, what's going on so that we can stay in front of that and on top of it. So um, just wanted to give that update to you all. I mentioned it earlier in, in the meeting that, you know, for anybody experiencing uh, homeless during these, during these um, times, um, the creeks are a popular habitat for homeless um, folks. And so if you are in need of uh, services to reach out to our police department, um, attention Captain Dave Kellis, and he'll be able to connect you with some resources. Um, so with that, again, I'd like to thank uh, Brian McLean and his team in Public Works, and then the two chiefs and their teams that uh, staff the EOC and were out there keeping us safe. So with that, thank you very much. That's all I have. Yeah, thank you. I certainly also commend the work. Um, for many of us who've been in the city, the, the storm gauges are something we watch, and for whatever reason, we go to sleep and they seem fine, and you wake up in the morning and everything's at flood stage, and uh, staff work very well public works is always uh, ready to clear the creeks and the staff working together and appreciate the update most people don't understand the network of information whether it's pg&e or our own crews and even yourself um, letting sure making sure that we all know as a council what's going on and so the public doesn't always see it but it's happening behind the scenes and, and uh, very much appreciate all the work on behalf of the council so thank you there's other comments up here so uh so we'll go with uh, Councilmember Chapman. Thank you. Ah, speaking of minor flooding, I do reside in District 4, represent District 4. Um, the streets that were identified in the news and in the papers, Gregory Drive is 
street I reside on, Brookdale, it's one block down from me. So early during the wee hour, there were flashing lights out, 4 or 5 a.m., our employees at work. They um, were on top of what was happening in this area that continues to flood each time we have this type of weather. I went out uh, to Canvas District 4 uh, the morning of, and the bridge to Laurie is, is a couple of blocks from my home. And I mean, residents from all over the city were there parked along the bridge watching the water in the creek, the flow, which it was going rather rapidly. I had an opportunity to speak with quite a few of the residents. Some resided right there in the Elamo Creek subdivision. And there were some that were in neighboring districts who came over to assist. There was this one, um, please allow me this time to share this. There was a truck of four men that passed by me. And I said, oh, that's strange. And just so happened when I drove, when I was driving around, I spotted them again in a cul-de-sac. And they were unloading sandbags. They came together as neighbors to help one another in that cul-de-sac. One gentleman uh, shared with me that he left going to work around 4 a.m. His wife called a few hours later saying that she couldn't go to work because she was flooded in. He said it wasn't like that when he left. I have lived in, uh, we bought our home brand new. It was the first development the Vacaville had had in many years when we moved here. And the uh, we've been flooding there each time we have uh, storms such as this. Right after the first storm, the, uh, I believe it was the mayor at the time who said, I'm no engineer, but anyone knows water does not run uphill. We've, we've, the council has spoken and many community individuals, residents have come to say, well, we were promised something different and that is not what we are receiving now. We don't want this or, we, or whatever. Well, at the time we bought, there were a hundred homes in that subdivision. And there was a plot of land that was supposed to have been left vacant. As a, re, uh, what's the correct term for it? Oh, yes, a retention, yes. But what happened, they ended up, a developer came in and they built homes there instead. That also contributed to the, to the problem. The comments that I, I heard, many, 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 I even took pictures, you wanna see some of them. Um, something needs to be done. And I've already chatted with the, briefly, with the city manager, something needs to be done. One, one example, two things I'll share and then I'll. The young men in the cul-de-sac, they had mentioned that a drain, drainage pipe had been installed between two properties. But what happened is when the, when the uh, creek, when the water arrived, it exceeds the draining pipe. So what happened? 
the water comes through the pipe back into their onto their property. I spoke with um, a young man, um, I'm sure state employee, federal employee, that uh, monitored the canals. I had driven around into um, the development on the other side of Beelert Park and got on my car, walked up. And as I was walking up to the right is the canal. Perpendicular to the canal is the creek. Wait a minute, no, this way, yes, is the creek. So I went and I motioned, he came out of his truck, came up to the fence and I said, why is it this water's not moving but the creek water is raging. He said, this is controlled. The canals are controlled water. It's our potable water, our drinking water that comes from Berryessa. I mean, I, I've learned a lot during this. And so he, he went on to say that they come out and patrol the area to make certain that the creek does not rise and the water would come over into that controlled canal. Huh, good to know. He says, that's why we, we often come and we cut down the large trees to prevent that from occurring. And I said, oh, okay. Well, pictures that I took were of trees when I was on the bridge, of large trees where erosion has washed off the earth around the roots, waiting, in my view. But then I said, well, maybe they're leaving those trees there for a purpose. And after hearing him, I said, oh, well, maybe we need to do better with the creek and get them some of that, those large trees that has no, no protective earth on some of the roots. I am, and um, I, I, I'm very concerned, but I, uh, if you ever come to me, I, I'll never make a promise that something will be done, but I listen and I will share it with the council and the city manager. And I, I'm doing much of that at this moment. We need to do something about that subdivision. We are the one right there where I live. I'm experiencing it. And it's not because I live there. If I didn't live there, we need to do something about it. We really do. And then I'm going to close, finish with this. One of the young men of the four shared. He says, we're all required to have flood insurance. I said, yeah, when I moved here, it wasn't. But after that first flood, we were required to get flood insurance. My home is elevated just enough where I could get a waiver, but I wouldn't dare. But what he shared, and, and I haven't verified this on my research, and I will, I am going to check it out. But what he did share is with flood insurance, four homes have to flood before you can get any reimbursement on your home if you flood. I mean, I, I, sounds strange, but I said, well, I didn't read the fine print, but I'm going to check that out. That four homes, if you have flood insurance, you can't be the only home to flood or you won't, that insurance won't be enacted. So anyway, just wanted to share, I'm living it and um, I'm speaking on behalf of many residents 
100 in particular that live in that subdivision. And uh, so keep us in prayer. Thank you. Vice Mayor Stockton. Everybody just sticking in to the end. Um, great comments. Uh, I'm interested. I was here for a flood when I was a, a young kid over off of North Alamo, and I remember having to walk people out of their homes and hire uh, Definitely interested in that well. Um, that being said, um, I wanted to have public works folks that are out there braving the elements, trying to get those trees out of our creeks, clearing out drains. We have, uh, I live, there's a water ba um, uh, overflow basin behind me. Uh, which it sounds like we need we need more in your area, um, and the the storm had actually washed in quite a bit of debris that was blocking a severe amount of the of the pipes that they control. And uh, one phone call, uh, Brian McLean got his people out there. The public works staff came out there with um, like a Kubota tractor and, and 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 cleared everything out right before the heavy heavy storm hit. So. I just wanted to tip my hat to you, Brian. You've got some great people that work for you. VAC feels lucky to have you and, and all of them out there helping us through these difficult storms like that. And just wanted to recognize you for, for the hard work that all your, you and all your people do. Uh, I also wanted to thank the city manager. Um, I've been calling the city manager almost daily uh, regarding the storm and making sure that uh, we have services available for the homeless. Um, he has been fa fabulous answering the phone in between um, different events with his family and making sure that we're staying informed on, on some of that stuff. So I just wanted to thank you, city manager, for returning those calls and letting me be a pest a little bit. Um, but it is good to know that we have services available. Um, and, and I just hope that we can do everything we can to make sure that the folks that are out there know that those services are available and that they'll call someone from the city. If they don't want to call the police, call the city manager's office, call somebody here. We will help. There is help out there if you need it. So uh, if you have a family, they have hotel rooms. If you are by yourself um, and have dogs that we have arrangements with shelters that will accommodate dogs. So there is, there are services out there. Please call if you need them. Um, lastly, um, Council Member Richie and I uh, were excited enough to know that um, Vacaville has a new, I'm going to mess this up, Centenarian? Did I say that right? Centenarian. Yeah. Centenarian. Hey, we're not, so we're not there yet. Oh, oh. we're not. <laughs> no, this was just comments from no. Council. Well, no, not quite yet. No, you're ahead of yourself. No, I thought we were on reports from the council. Oh. No, this is reports from city manager. Oh, okay. So, oh, I, so this was just commenting on some of the yeah, weather. Yeah, 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 sorry. I know you're trying to get I jumped the close the unit going. That was my cue to at least interject. So this okay. is just simply comments because of the reports from city manager. All right, well, I got some good stuff for you. On, on that. So if anyone else on the council wants to comment on city manager's comments, otherwise we're going to move into the next one. I do. Are we good? Can I? One more. Okay. One. All right. Okay. There you go. All right. Thank you. I promise this is it. I wanted to thank the uh, members of Public Works. They were out there. They worked. I mean, I, I took the time, and they took the time to chat with me. And let me share about um, a, a lady, elderly lady. I was um, on the bridge again. I 
asked her whether she um, needed any assistance. And she said her son had come in from someplace to, you know, look in on her. However, she said, however, the city employees were out and they brought sandbags to her home. And it, it, it was very rewarding, very gratifying to hear that our people are out there doing what they're, what we would like for them to do, not that we expect for them to do, but that's the human human side of us. So just wanted to commend the the people, the employees. Thank you. I see lights, so I'm gonna call on Zilda. All right, I'm gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna step into reports of the city council, but it's 11A. We are at a place where we're going to nominate uh, the selection of a new vice mayor. And so with that, um, typically, it, this is an annual position. I know last year, I appreciate working with uh, Vice Mayor Stockton. I know prior to that, uh, Vice Mayor Roberts. So it was one of those unique opportunities where you served about seven months of the year and, and uh, Vice Mayor, you stepped in. I think both of you would recognize, I know in our conversations, uh, there's a lot more that goes on when you are appointed either mayor, vice mayor to this council. There's a lot of commissions. And, and so we'll get to that after we um, appoint the next vice mayor. And so just want to open that up for discussion and um, to the council. Any conversation? There you go. I just wanted to thank the council for giving me the opportunity um, to, to be the vice mayor and especially um, the, the, the previous vice mayor, uh, Roberts. Um, you know, we had a conversations about running campaigns and using the vice mayor as political leverage in a campaign. And, and Jason, you are a man of your word and you are an honorable person. And um, I, I enjoy being on this council with you. Um, so I, I know we had that conversation and you, you know, you did kind of pass it over and I just, I think you do a great job for Vacaville and uh, it was an honor to have the opportunity and I'm excited to see who's next. Um, I think uh, Vacaville is going to be lucky to have anybody else. Thank you for that opportunity. Councilmember Roberts. Yeah, um, kind of discussion, yeah, because, yeah, Councilmember Sock and I were on the same page with yeah, not using the title for political leverage because yeah, it's an appointed title. You're in it temporarily, not here the whole time. Uh, so one of the things, I mean, this may have to come back to future council meeting, but changing when the appointment's done to that June timeframe. So before campaigns actually begin, it'll change hands to somebody that's not currently campaigning. Um, but I'll, I'll probably have come back because we'll have to change date for that period. Um, and yeah, with that, I'm open up to whoever interested in it or has the time and bandwidth for it for the next vice mayor. Well, hold on a second. Council member Silva. Um, uh, you know, to me is, uh, simple comments, but, uh, I love all you guys. Um, uh, and I think that, um, I think, uh, we just keep rotating. Uh, I want to nominate Jeanette to be our next vice mayor. So do I have a second? And I'll I know. second that. Okay, we have a second by Chapman. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. 
There you go. <laughs> you just got involved. Should answer if she wanted. I don't. No, you're not supposed to ask that because then she could say no. Okay, get on. I'm going to No, actually, I want to congratulate you. Well, all those against? Doesn't matter. Actually, I want to give you the floor for a minute, uh, Councilmember Wiley. This might just be Vice Mayor Wiley. But to your point, I think it is important that you want to be able to serve and you have to have the time to do it. But uh, I think that you would, would be a great asset to Council. Well, like has been said by other people, I think any of us would do a good job because we have a great council that we've been working together. Um, I would, I'm honored to be, have your support I do feel like I put a lot into it and I have the time and I would do my uh, very best to serve in that capacity. So, because I think everything that we do together is for the benefit of the city. And that's why I would also take the job and work alongside everyone here to serve as vice mayor for one year. And I won't be campaigning this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you. And uh, so that really takes us to at least to the next part of the reports of the city council uh, to be the city council assignments. And so the important part, part that I've realized is, is there are a lot of commissions and appointments. And so a lot of those go to the mayor, they go to the vice mayor as an alternate. So that's one of those where you be careful what you wish for. <laughs> you find yourself on a lot of commissions and form 700s and a lot of, uh, a lot of reading, but for those who have done it before, you know. Most of them are not in back. That's right. Uh, in front of me is the city uh, mayor city council assignments. Uh, the first one is the Association of Bay Area Governments, or ABAG. At this, uh, the current assignment is uh, Wiley and Silva. I have not heard any any reason for change or any comment from them. I. I am recommending that that stays consistent with the two of them in that appointment. Um, the, on my list, the next one for appointment. Currently, uh, Silva, you are on the Citizens Advisory Committee for California. And I'm the chairman. And you're the chairman. And so that would be the recommendation for the council to consider that you would consider, you would stay in that position. Uh, the next one is the City of Acaville Audit Review Subcommittee. Currently, uh, Councilmember Ritchie is on that. And uh, you're already on it, right? Uh, well. Okay, well, your name's on it. So maybe I don't know if that's an alternate or if that's a misprint. Uh, actually, both of them, um, this is an appointment where there are two two members of the City right. Council that's I'm just looking at what was the past, so maybe, so you're on it. Yep. But it shows that you were already on, but at this point, you're, if you're willing to actually step into that role, uh, that would be great. It actually, there are two positions. One was vacated by council member Sullivan. And so there is a vacancy there for the, for the audit review committee. It meets, it meets once a year with, uh, with our, uh, finance director to have an oversight internally to the council. And so if anyone is interested in, in, I'll, I'll follow. All right. Oh, no, I say you're knowing both seats. So, oh. so, so I'm going to recommend that uh, Councilmember Ritchie and Councilmember Chapman fill that subcommittee. Moving right along. 
Uh, the next one is the League of California Cities North Bay Division. This is one where every member of the council is a is a part of that. So there's no action to take on that. The Solano County uh, City County Coordinating Council, known as the Four C's, I I will sit on that one by requirement. Several others are by requirement. Solano County Mayor's Committee, uh, I will be on that. The Solano County Water Agency. I will be on that, and uh, Vice Mayor um, Wiley, you will be the alternate on that. And that also requires another form 700, so you know. Uh, next is the uh, Solano Economic Development uh, Court Board of Directors. That will be me by design of the commission or the, uh, the, the EDC. Solano Transportation Authority, it's mayor and the alternate is vice mayor. Solano Water Authority, again, mayor and vice mayor. The Travis Community Consortium is uh, Councilmember Roberts, continuing in that role. And uh, the Travis Regional Armed Forces Committee, currently it's uh, Roberts and Wiley. It's open to all city council members. I will be joining that. Uh, but it is, according to this, it's open to any and all. Is that correct? Or how, is there any restrictions on that? No restriction. So at that point, just to keep it uh, with it, it out, it being overwhelmed, Roberts, Wiley, and myself. And the Vacaville Dixon Greenbelt uh, Authority, uh, Stockton and Ritchie. The Vacaville Fairfield Greenbelt Authority will be Roberts and Wiley. Last page. Uh, I, I sit as a um, as an appointee to the Vacaville Museum Board of Trustees. Then, Mr. Mayor. Yes. I'm sorry to interrupt. There was one item on um, the bottom of page three, Vacaville um, School District three by three. Um, okay. Okay. Um, I was handed a different page. I apologize then. <laughs> so uh, the, it's on here, it's coming. Vacaville, that's what's next. So what's next is the Vacaville Unified School District three by three, and uh, that will be uh, Councilmember Silva, Councilmember Chapman, and Councilmember Stockton. The Vacaville uh, Travis Unified School District two by two will be now, Vice Mayor Wiley and Councilmember Roberts. And then the Yolo Solano Air Quality Management District. Currently, it's uh, the, the appointee is, is Wiley and the alternate is Silva, and I intend to leave that alone. So with that, any action that needs to be taken, does it require a vote? Yes, it requires a vote to confirm okay. your appointments. All right, so that's my recommendations for uh, appointments. Uh, general or just a, would it be better for a roll call? So, does anybody have comments with that before I get one? Vice Mayor Stockton. I just wanted to add that um, in the absence of either myself or Council Member Roberts, um, can we list a second alternate to go to the homeless uh, Castellano for the mayor to be there? 
at all. Because we do try to have two people there at every single one, if one of us is going to miss. Follow up question? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. um, I know, um, I'm, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Amy Sharp allows uh, uh, everything's under the Brown Act. So if uh, multiple electives wanted to attend that to where there was a forum, if there were a forum, uh, it would still be legal for multiple of us to attend. That it would be legal? It would be legal. L-E-G-A-L. Okay. Oh, you can, yes. You yeah, can, you can sit in the audience. Right. Because okay. on occasion, just like uh, after, I mean, I attended even though I wasn't part of it because uh, Sullivan was part of it before and I was interested. So it is, it's very informative. And, um, and I appreciate you, you're willing to step up on that, but I think, if, I think at this point, it's probably best to leave it the way it okay. is, uh, knowing that you can. In the past, it. we've just reached out to whoever to make sure that somebody was going to be there if there was, you know, I, uh, yeah. Okay. Council member Richie. So I would like to find a way to revise the Travis Community Consortium, or I may join with you guys, the Travis Regional Armed Force Committee. Um, as Roberts, Roberts is out there, it's kind of like, Roberts is actively in the military as part of that. So I think having another voice and having someone else be a part of that would be beneficial. Um, and one of, the, one of the things I'd highlight, there is, um, I'm due to my uh, special election, um, I had to run um, after my friend Mish Ashburn. Um, that's the reason why when you guys read this sheet, there is literally like one or two committees I was on because all the committees were set prior to me being elected. So there's a method madness why you guys heard a big rundown of everyone except for Greg. So you guys are busy, I'm not, but um, there's always a silver lining in that. Um, but I want to make sure that the Travis Community Consortium has another voice. You know, one of the things that has not been highlighted, I've highlighted a few times, we're in a unique position with Travis. And I think having outside opinions really makes sure, make sure that the voice is heard and the community understands the value of Travis. Travis is about to install a third wing. If we blow it, the US, the US government is looking at four. Right now, they bring $3 billion to our community. If we blow it, if we don't stand the value, that Travis Air Force Base brings to Solana County, back to Fairfield, they will move that third wing to Oregon, and we will become the next Mare Island. We can't blow it. We need to understand the value that Travis brings to our community. And so I really want to make sure I'm part of that. Therefore, that that 800 pound, you know, that grill in the room, that elephant's not missed. Like, oh yeah, I forgot to mention how poor you guys are. So the community benefit having Travis to be at the, the forefront of Vacaville is important. So I want to make sure that I'm part of that to make sure the flags raise, hey guys, we need to make sure that we cooperate, communicate, and weave Travis into our community to make sure that they get the contract to bring that third wing here to have, I think it's 3,000 uh, members come. <clears throat> it's a big, big deal. And we are close to blowing it. If we don't do what Travis needs to do to enable the wing to have schools, education, housing, and all the facilities they need, just by the federal government bringing that here, we're going to blow it. 
And so that money will go to Oregon and we'll lose. And so if we continue this path and not realizing what we have in front of us, we're gonna be in trouble. So I'll make sure my voice is, is kind of in the room to make sure that that's brought to the forefront. Councilmember Roberts. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, that Travis Community Consortium has yet to meet in two years. So <laughs> that's one of those oh, things. Yeah. I know part of it is COVID because federal people come in and out of there. True, um, yeah, but the, I mean. The traffic, the Armed Forces Committee, that's that's open to everybody. So you can fully understand. But yeah. in the last two years, no one's mentioned what I just said. Yeah. So it's, 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 I mean, you guys have been on the committee, but the community doesn't realize what I just said. That's a big problem. But that's, I need to be here to make sure everybody knows what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely agree with you on that one. Um, yeah, because you did miss a lot of things uh, for the appointments because of your special election. So, yeah. I mean, if you want to take that, you're more than welcome. I don't know if it's a singular appointment or to the. Well, that's a question. It doesn't show that there's an alternate, but mm -hmm. uh, is, is, is there an alternate capability on this? I, I do believe that there's an opportunity to perhaps have two members, but we can double check okay. on that. Yeah, I think, Otherwise, I think that's Fairfield has two members on it. Yeah, it, I, I believe okay. that we've okay. had more than one member in the past. Right. It's just the other one is, will allow more than two. Yeah, the other one's a chamber of commerce yeah. function. So. All the members, you can also can, yeah, you can yeah, show sure. us just updates from the base and how it involves like business and yeah. community. So, if I understand this right, then if we can have an alternate on that particular one, I, I'm not opposed as long as we can confirm that and we can take action tonight that it would create the primary and alternate. We can put you in a position of the alternate for now, yeah. and it puts both of you on it attending um, that works for me anybody else have comments on that councilmember Wiley I was just going to say um, you could take my name off of the Fairfield green belt and put councilmember Rich's name on that that's not because I'm adding to these other committees as well and I, I don't want to give up the yellow zone air quality or track because I've been pretty active with those but the Fairfield green belt hasn't done much and um, I'd be happy to bother him and make it more active. So you don't want it. I mean, I don't have any Well, yeah, I would say, um, like I said, there's a lot of things that are going to change around here, but at this point, it seems to be. Um, not you're not interested in that you're interested in the no, not just the title and right. if you're interested in another one there's a travis unified two by two i'm more than happy to like greg step up into that or councilman burgi step into that position if you wanted the okay travis unified backwell city council so, two by two. so now what we're having is, is we're having an offering up of <laughs> positions yeah. for your take i, I know because he didn't get very many appointments right. because of his thing but right. yeah if you want to be more involved with it with travis and that side of the town that he okay. lives on uh, there's a travis two by two which is finally starting to go uh if he does want to additional um <laughs> the unified school district yeah yeah the travis unified i might sit on that so at this point just for the uh simplicity i know that this is why we're having this discussion this is where it kind of reveals where your interests are but they're also city responsibilities so I, th I think at this point, just for the interest of time and um, 
we're, I'm going to amend at least my position on, on the Travis Community Consortium and add Richie along with that. And, uh, and we'll leave the rest alone. So, Vice Mayor Wiley, you will assume that continue responsibility there. <laughs> Thank you. And, uh, and hopefully we'll have more meetings than you have had in the last two years, all of you, because of COVID. So did we cover all the commissions that we were supposed to? Yeah, I knew this was going to be an interesting night. So, all right. So, so we, we are still, yeah, we still need to vote on that. The mayor's recommendations. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? All right. So those will be the appointments for 2023. Uh, we still have uh, reports of city council. So now we'll go into, there you go, Vice Mayor Stockton. Nice. For the win? remainder of the meeting. Yes. yes. Okay. Well, how do I pronounce it again? Centenarian. Centenarian. Yes. So um, Greg and I um, learned of a Eugene Peterson, Leisure Town resident that likes to volunteer, I believe, at Travis. Um, he's hit 100 years old on December 28th. And so um, he was not able to make the meeting today, but um, Mayor Carly, um, thank you for signing this cert certification, this certificate. We'll get it to him. Anybody wants to come and, and give this gentleman um, the certificate and maybe hear some stories, I'm sure he can tell some stories. So I just wanted to thank the council and uh, the community for letting us know um, about such an amazing achievement, 100 years. Pretty amazing. So. He's, a, he's a Army veteran, one of the two in Thank you, and I appreciate that. Make sure that we're aware whenever you may be able to make that, and maybe more of us can go yeah. with that visit and hear some stories. My apologies for the rowdy people in the crowd. You might know them. <laughs> Councilmember Ritchie, or unless, did you have anything else? Nope, that was it. I already said everything else during uh, city manager comments. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when, before I have my prepared stuff, I want to kind of follow up on what uh, Councilwoman uh, Chapman about. There's a way that public works. Maybe we can, I think we all benefit from kind of doing a creek walk. Um, I rode my kiddos on the whole trail, started out at the corner of Elmira and that tree, Elmira and Leisure Town, went all the way through the path. And it was it was amazing. There is a lot of trees, a lot of foliage. And so it, maybe it might be a good exercise if we actually take a walk to see some of the trees that are suffering from erosion, possibly be a health and safety issue along the creek bed that could fall over, block it up, cause more problems uh, in general. Maybe that's something that we can agendize. There's got a difference maybe to walk the creek and really see what's going on. Maybe we'll find out more than we really realize. Besides, there's a lot of people, a lot of stuff on the trail that shouldn't be there. Um, so maybe may eye-opening. Um, now, on my prepared stuff, so it's pretty amazing. MLK Day will be this uh, 16th, this Monday, here at Andrews Park. Weather permitting, you know, who knows at this point. So they're, they're trying to bust their butt, figure out alternatives to the work with the city uh, right now. But it's really special to me. Um, and my goal is for our community to come together to celebrate a man who died, serving not just African-Americans, fighting to gain equality in every sense of the word and for, and for the end of segregation in America. 
but for all Americans and people over the world to be uh, released from both mental, physical, racial, and social bondages. Um, that man was amazing. And I think it's something that just because he's an African-American man, and he was fighting during civil rights, his purpose, his power, his passion was to really free the minds, the hearts, the souls of everybody. And for me, it's really special. Um, I said a lot of times, um, my goal is our nation is able to say, like I do often in my personal life, I am living the dream of Martin Luther King. Um, come here today and ensure that this is possible for generations to come. You know, when there's one elected to step up, if you have the opportunity to serve, you have the opportunity to make a difference, you do it. Throughout my life, it feels like there's a woulda, coulda, shoulda, just take action. You know, I, I truly feel that through all the hard effort, the work, the blood and tears of people in front of me, like my parents um, and their parents, I'm able to be here standing next to this man and this man. And we're all three different races, but we'll have a common accord to make this community better. You know, it's, it's amazing some of the struggles um, we've gone through this country. So on the Air Force, my father is a U.S. Air Force pilot. He's still alive, still here. Um, when he was flying, he was the only African-American in the whole battalion. And four out of eight Air Force bases wouldn't even let him land a plane if the tower knew he was flying the plane. Um, he got a scholarship, played with Larry Bird. Back then, you're not allowed to have more than one African-American on the floor at a time and two on a team. I mean, living through Jim Crow segregation is crazy. Uh, my wife, she's Jewish. Both sides of her family is made through concentration camps. So it's amazing. I had the opportunity to, before her grandparents died, um, build a relationship with them. It's amazing what to sit in the room with her grandfather who after 40 years, he found out his brother was still alive. They passed notes through a little, little mouse hole. And it's amazing that when he saw me starting to date his granddaughter, he said, son, I don't care what color you are. I've been through so much trial, tribulation, and pain. All I care is you have a good heart. And seeing that man go through Auschwitz and make it and come to America and come here and make it be successful, that is the dream is for all of us to come together. And like, I see that, that that conversation is always so sick for me. He's been through the hardest times you can ever imagine. And bottom line is he just was able to judge not by color, race, creed, by your heart. And so for me, it's very personal. Like his dream, yeah, it seems sometimes to turn the news on, we're losing it. But other times, you know, if we just if we focus on the negative, we're going to go down the rabbit hole of problems. We got to come together. And so I think just the overall acknowledgement of what he is, is not as, as a black man that was trying to help black people in the South, but as a person that just wanted better for everybody. So I, I just really wish we can all come together and just celebrate the day. That's it. Thank you. Council Member Silva. Follow up on that. So uh, thank you, uh, council member. Thank you, Greg, uh, for sharing um, in your family's history. I know there's a lot of it, uh, particularly this being a military um, a town, uh, an area, and it, it's brought a lot of different folks and different perspectives to the area. So, uh, and we all come with a lot of history and uh, some, uh, some lines more than others. So 
Um, <clears throat> I'm going to try to go through my stuff quickly, respectively. So uh, MLK, that celebration, if you all can, just please, you know, uh, stop by. It's, you know, it's uh, be the third year. Uh, every year the kids come out and just to hear their voices, read a speech, um, and just seeing the natural diversity that's represented uh, throughout our youth, how they come together is, uh, you know, where, where this country's headed and where particularly Solano County's headed as uh, the most diverse um, uh, county in the nation. So, um, you know, uh, if we can make things happen here, uh, we can, I honestly believe we can be a model for the rest of the nation, uh, particularly with a lot of the economic development efforts um, that ideally are going to lead to uh, more economic prosperity, uh, subject to making sure that we have the skill sets and education to pursue those. Um, and those, those things, you know, all of us have a different perspective and uh, a different strong interest in how we help address um, and foster the growth uh, within that next generation to keep uh, keep this uh, keep things going great and making sure this land is uh, continues to be the land of opportunity for for everyone um, as it has for us. So, um, one thing I just want to mention to the public: I plan on having what I'm going to call a listening session. Uh, this is a result of a lot of uh, concerns, particularly in the lower uh, Calen area. Um, so this is going to be on January 31st, 6 to 7 p.m. Um, a, a local restaurant, Echo Mexico, has uh, offered uh, their space, so that's where we'll be held. Uh, I plan on particularly talking about uh, neighborhood watch groups, and uh, in addition to listening to other other concerns that uh, that have been addressed or brought up uh, within the respective area. So um, all are welcome, uh, but uh, I do plan on trying to rotate uh, different topics uh, monthly uh, in different areas throughout uh, throughout the, at least the next year. Uh, one January 31st, 6 to 7 p.m. at Echo in Mexico, or Echo in Mexico. That was probably bad. Number two, Public Works. I had a couple calls, and they said, Mike, make sure you thank them. Uh, you know, I, I saw them uh, the last big, last season, there was a huge rainstorm that came through. Every time there was a uh, backed up flood, they went in there and uh, did their best to alleviate it. I know there's other members, uh, you know, uh, of the council and the audience that have regular flooding, uh, you know, are always that concern. Um, there's actually some apartments that are on the north end of Meadows. They actually have water running into their, um, their uh, uh, front doorway. Um, so picked up the kid, came back, and uh, some, luckily somebody, I'm guessing from the maintenance, tried to dig a little uh, French uh, drain ditch to, to irrigate it. Uh, so it's just there's all those, those weird anomalies, and I think a lot of times as we continue to pick those up, I know our public works uh, obviously have been very assertive and proactive in uh, addressing those, uh, going to address the, those hot areas as best they can. Uh, but it's also important for the public to know that, you know, the, there's, there's only so many folks, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that lead up to uh, clock drains, uh, but uh, making sure that we call it in, uh, you know, eventually they come around to address it. So definitely appreciate that um, as we continue to talk about and look at how we improve the infrastructure, um, you know, where, uh, where it's needed. Um, so my next, uh, I got four more items. Um, so earlier I talked about a youth roundtable committee, uh, not a commission. Uh, what I would like to do is to make a motion uh, to bring back a discussion on the value of whether or not the council would like to uh, continue the discussions of actually implementing a youth roundtable committee. 
uh, where the city manager will be the chair of this. Uh, and this would be, uh, this is an effort and there's a result of a lot of feedback that I've had uh, from uh, from past couple of decades on on how to uh, more empower the, the youth roundtable uh, and, and bring in some key, uh, key individuals, uh, not just from the city, but from county and school district and all those else who, uh, who, who are interested, uh, not just to have a meeting to have a meeting, uh, but to uh, update folks on the progress of different identified priorities of how we address issues that directly relate to our youth or uh, those who support our youth. So I'd like to make that motion to bring uh, in a future uh, future agenda uh, to talk about the youth round to talk about a youth roundtable committee. Well, before we do that, real quick, uh, Mr. City Manager, can you share at least the status because we have a youth roundtable with a strategic plan, and so we need to make sure that whatever we do, whatever is brought back, it's really in alignment with the detailed work that's been happening. It may have been shuttered a little bit during the pandemic, but there's been a lot of work with a youth roundtable in the city. Yes, we currently have, I mean, they're probably our, our last uh, surviving roundtable effort right now. Um, and they currently are meeting um, monthly, I believe. Um, and our Parks and Rec Department is actively leading that effort. Um, what I hear Council Member Silva suggesting is, is that uh, we try with the council's, you know, permission and discussion, uh, we explore making that effort perhaps a little bit more robust and proactive. And so uh, if that's the, the will of the council, we can certainly bring back what we're currently doing uh, through the roundtable forum and then have a dialogue and discussion about, you know, what are some of the ideas to, to expand upon that. So it is complementary or um, not duplicative or, you know, um, taking away from other resources because I think, you know, um, that's one of the toughest things about the, the roundtables that we have. While they're very well-intentioned, um, some of them have had to um, be put on temporary hold because of resources and honestly interest. Um, and so we can certainly talk about that if that's the, the will of the council. Um, my question would be, you know, timing when we'd want to do that. Um, as I've shared with council, we're hoping to do a goal setting session here in the first quarter of this year. Um, perhaps that could be a part of that dis discussion and dialogue, um, but I'll, I'll defer to the council and, and the, the timeline. Okay, just to follow up on some of the comments, um, the goal is to centralize these efforts because currently things are, a lot of folks are working siloed even prior to the, to the, uh, to the pandemic. Uh, and as a result, like even today with a lot of the nonprofit that relate to youth, that's something that I think could have embedded and addressed within that particular body to where they, that body can then bring it back to council and say, hey, here's, the, here's what we need. Here's what our kids need. Here's what our families or other support staff need to help address the needs of our youth. And so having that centralized body would allow everybody to, uh, uh, to one, go through uh, the city, the city manager would ideally be the chair, uh, ultimately uh, responsible to, to help navigate and help address um, the concerns that continue, you know, we spent two hours uh, and still haven't really come to 100% consensus. Uh, but this body in itself could do a lot of that vetting uh, and it'd be representative of those who are absolutely committed uh, to the well-being of our development of our youth. So that's my motion. Well, um, I would simply support that, except for I would, would ask for the amendment to look at the other roundtables because for many years, 
Yeah, half the right. half the round table or half the nonprofits that were here submitting were at my monthly meeting for seven years. And during the pandemic, it really hasn't come together. So there's been this separation of interests and and the silos. And so I, I agree that that needs to happen, but I think it needs to be holistically and maybe as you suggest, bring it back in a more strategic discussion on being able to provide that input, whether it's then or bringing it back to council. But um, we have roundtables, and maybe we're not utilizing as best as we can. Maybe that's one of the angles that we need to focus on. Because I, I mean, I, I went to many so these roundtables for many, many years. For, forgive, for, forgive me for interrupting. Uh, I think the, the goal is, uh, I would love to have the conversation right now, but because of Brown Act, I think that's, I mean, that's why we put the motion. Sure. Maybe what's maybe what's best is we just get an update of the current structure, what's going on, and then uh, and then pursue how, how the council decides moving forward. My 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 uh, goal of the motion is that this comes from the direction of the council and the expectations as a council for a community and how it serves. What you yeah. just said, I would second. I um, just uh, oh. that's your motion uh, to bring it back to to council to give an update on where our the status of our our youth roundtable, our homeless roundtable, and senior roundtable, and make decisions that maybe we can use in in future strategic planning discussion, but it would maybe report out at a future council meeting um, to help us understand where it stands. But uh, but I do support that, and and, uh, and I'll second that. All those in favor? All right. Opposed? All right, next one. So, um, so just to clarify, it's just to bring back presentation to the council so that we better understand the status of our roundtables, which may help us understand in strategic planning or to make decisions. So, okay. Yes, including the committee. Uh, number two, or actually whatever number, um, the there was a request to talk about our direct staff about a senior center. I think that was part of the discussions, or at one point that was part of discussions for the uh, leisure town development. Um, I do remember following up on that. Uh, my planning commissioner uh, followed up, uh, made a comment about that. Um, I do think it's something that's worthwhile looking into and uh, at least having that conversation. So I would, my next motion would be to, uh, to direct staff to create a comparative analysis of a senior center with uh, different amenities in town, uh, as well as, uh, uh, bringing back a discussion on um, improving our current senior center or presentation on updating that. Every second. Is there a second on the floor? Second. Okay, we have a motion and a second. So can you just clarify your, your motion? Uh, staff, the motion is for to the council motion is to ask uh, for council, sorry, the motion is uh, to uh, request staff to uh, pursue a comparative analysis of a uh, senior center. If, if I can just try to add some, some uh, substance to that. So we currently have a uh, uh, city council approved parks and rec master plan. Mm -hmm. Um, which includes, you know, uh, facilities as well as services and parks and programs and things like that. Uh, one of the things that I've asked our Parks and Recreation Director, Reggie um, Hubbard, to bring back to council 
um, is he's been working with his group in the Parks and Recreation Commission about um, priorities and implementation of that Parks and Rec Master Plan now that it's approved. And you know what are their recommendations for meeting the community need? And so I think that there will be an opportunity before the council here soon about that particular conversation, at which point I think you know we can certainly include uh, in that conversation where uh, a second um, senior center fits into that discussion. Um, and then you'll have the benefit of the commission's recommendations and staff's recommendations as to um, what are some of the other competing priorities. And that way you see the full picture and not just, you know, what is the need for a senior center? Um, I don't disagree that it would be nice to have one of those, but I also know that there are other demands for other park amenities and facilities and, and similar type uh, community facilities. So um, if, if that's acceptable to this council, um, as a potential option, we can bring that as part of that conversation. And then if you still feel the need to have that conversation about focusing in on a second uh, senior center, we can absolutely have that as, as follow up to that uh, effort. Yeah, just um, so uh, only question is when, when should we expect that or when should the public expect that? Uh, I think just some background from different discussions I've heard you know, for two, over two years now is um, our measure in funds and how we're allocating them, uh, particularly uh, in more robust uh, infrastructure that helps address our different public needs. So um, I, I don't know if that's where the gentleman's coming from or former council members uh, coming from, uh, but those are discussions that I know that's happening. And I think the data, uh, I think that is key for the council or whoever will be in place uh, to use that data to help uh, make those robust decisions. And so uh, to me, that that's why I'm looking for that. So, uh, so when, when do we expect that? Discussion? So I think, I think we can accommodate that request as part of a variety of efforts that we anticipate bringing to you within the first quarter, if not you know, the second quarter, because what you're describing is, is um, how we prioritize the council's, you know, visions and goals for the city. Um, and then once we identify those, how do we put those into our budget and make those real priorities, correct? So um, I, I believe that um, they're still working on their effort with the, the Parks and Rec Commission. Um, we can cert I think that will be done in the first quarter of this year. And then from there, we can bring it to council as part of your goals and priority discussion um, and have the big picture conversation about Measure M, about other you know needs and services that the city's expected to provide. And then from there, um, once we hear you out, then we can begin to explore that as part of the budget process. All right, so and uh, so I'm okay with that. So uh, it's okay. I'll take off the motion. Uh, and then <clears throat> so I think but that leads into the the next issue. We've been delayed uh, at least a, almost a year for a, a, a collaborative meeting with our Parks and Rec Commission. And so uh, I think I think my. You know, my suggestion is, it's not a motion, just I'll leave it out there for the council. But I think uh, the sooner we can have a discussion that as, you know, this new council is in place about our goals, about our priorities. Um, and then, uh, but that absolutely segue into forming a collaborative meeting between our council and Parks and Rec commissioners, our, our council and our planning commissioners. Uh, I think then um, based on the priorities that the council decides, I think we can uh, particularly give a lot more uh, direction if it's if it's still being sought uh, from our parks and rec uh, commissioners particularly so that's uh, some feedback uh, last motion that I've done uh, 
there is some laws changing. I understand on how much uh, uh, how much revenue can be reimbursed or, or paid out. Excuse me uh, for solar power. Uh, today earlier we're talking about implementing battery storage. Um, so uh, to me that tells me there's a significant amount of potential and uh, opportunity to become much more energy independent as a city. I know this is something that, or I suspect this is something that's gonna come uh, come up uh, with when uh, we meet as a council to talk about our priorities as far as energy efficiency, but due to my understanding a, a deadline coming up possibly in in, uh, in April about reduced uh, reimbursement funds from energy uh, collected from solar power, uh, I would like council, I would like to make a motion uh, to uh, direct the city manager to follow up uh, or assign staff to look into the possibility of uh, uh, of, uh, of pursuing certain solar projects within town uh, with the intent of either reducing cost or generating income that can then in turn be reimbursed back into town. Council decides how to uh, reinvest that. If I may, we're yeah. currently working on that effort. Okay, thank you. When do we get an answer? Before April. Thank you, Mayor. Anything else? Uh, thank you, everybody, for, for your patience. Councilmember Roberts. Yeah, thank you. Uh, as most other council members here, I just want to thank Public Works for their quick work in the flood. One of the operations section chiefs I work with at Cal OES lives in that area here in Vacaville, so he's asking me about it constantly while I was at work. Um, and then also on New Year's Eve, on I believe it was Mace, Mason and uh, Davis, there's a fairly large pothole developed in the rain in the middle of the intersection. I got several calls on it from people hitting it, and they went out and fixed it, or at least build it so it wouldn't create an issue within like probably about two hours calling them. Uh, so yeah, good job your staff on that. Uh, for the PD and fire, they did the two critical incident exercises on December 28th and the 4th. Uh, did a fantastic job. I believe on the 28th, there was, I think what, 70 uh, volunteers, mostly students from the school district. And then on the 4th, there's more than that. I think it's probably closer to 100. Uh, so getting the whole community involved in that aspect, um, they did really well with the training. Uh, full exercise, I saw a lot of posts on Facebook, a lot of people thought something was actually going on, even though it was put all over social media and the paper and everything. I'd also like to thank uh, Fairfield PD who came out and pretty much ran the exercise or instructed everybody, gave guidance because they have a team that travels around and teaches this type of response. Uh, so good job to public safety, both Fairfield and Vacaville uh, for those exercises. I'd like to see them happen more often, especially if you enable more people to come to Vacaville um, and train those people up as well. Um, let's see, what do I have? Uh, or city manager, uh, one of the things I'd like to look at is possibly bringing it to council uh, sometime before winter's over, um, but looking at our uh, warming center triggers, because I think the one that we have now is very subpar. It should be more aligned with cold weather injuries instead of just it's freezing outside and it will die from hypothermia or frostbite. So looking at different triggers for different type of cold weather injuries is not just to keep them alive, but also keep them from our public from injury as well. Uh, so I know chill blind you can get between 40 and 50 degrees, uh, depending on wind. 
if you add water to that, yeah, you run the risk of hypothermia above freezing temperatures. Um, and then when yeah, it's below freezing, yeah, it's cold enough to die from hypothermia, especially those that are living outside. Um, so yeah, I'd really like to see some come back to council on possibly adjusting those. I know it's not the standard, but because other cities are like three days at 32 degrees triggers warming shelters. I believe that's our, our current standard right now. That's our current standard. Uh, yeah. Keep in mind, uh, you, you know, we do have resources, but we yeah. don't have um, a, a specific warming shelter. So, yeah. you know, that would be something or, that you have yeah, to or some consider. Yeah, plan, not necessarily. Like right. So depending on what you're looking at, the magnitude of what you're, you know, mm -hmm. looking for, you know, it could be something that is um, actually being discussed as part of the, the Capsulano, you know, yeah. JPA effort. Mm -hmm. um, so I would just, you know, be mindful of those efforts that are going on as well. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're still trying to get together over there, but yeah, it's like, it's also worth reaching out to community partners like Kaiser and North Bay or Sutter, other hospitals in the area, because I'm sure those cold weathers have cost them a lot of money. So it might be worthwhile for them to start chipping in and helping out with those. Um, and then the last thing I have is something I brought up almost a year ago and has never brought back was, uh, uh, and I'll end up making a motion this, but establishing an emergency management or community emergency management uh, or preparedness roundtable. Uh, I think that's really needed. And if we're looking for, and for new FEMA guidance, whole community involvement and input and emergency planning is the number one step in their, in their new plan. So it's kind of required. Uh, so uh, I'm on a motion to uh, bring back to council for discussion on ways to approach it. Uh, I think a round table would probably be the least formal and easiest to get going uh, at one of the April council meetings. Uh, so I'm, I'm not kicking the can as mm -hmm. it may, although it may seem that way, but again, I think what um, my hope for with the goal setting session with the council yeah. is to establish your priorities. And the reason we're, we're, we do that exercise is to make sure that um, we don't overcommit and underdeliver, yeah. and and so I think you know what you're asking for. I think can be accomplished at that goal setting session mm -hmm. where you're having that you know full council dialogue about what's the priority, yeah. and certainly if if that comes up as uh, under one of our goals for public safety, um, and that's something that the council wants us to invest in further, mm -hmm. um, then we dedicate the resources and our priorities going forward with that, and yeah. so. I would say it's not that it's city council priority. It's a FEMA priority for emergency management and disaster response. So if we do have disaster and we're not following their guidelines, it's going to limit our ability for reimbursement on that aspect. So it's not really our, our priority to do it. It's a federal standard for it. Understood. And so per the, the so in that particular element, you know, with our hazard mitigation plan, mm -hmm. our, our public safety team is is working on that and, yeah. and making sure that we're compliant with all mm -hmm. the federal and state and local yeah. requirements and all. So that's one thing. It, but as far as the committee and the round table and everything, um, I think that goes a little bit further beyond that. And so uh, that was the only reason for my suggestion mm -hmm. to have that conversation group wide as, as the council for do you want to expand on that to take it further than what the, the I mean, the it's, code it's not really taking it further because in the guidelines says a whole community planning group, which we don't currently have. So we, we can we can talk yeah. about bringing that back to you for conversation and, yeah, and get into more specifics. And I think it would be yeah. worthwhile and to have a conversation. Hopefully we'll have the EOP sometime soon, Chief. Well, 
So we're talking budget now. So, um, you know, let's let's have a, a, a conversation mm -hmm. and then we can talk about where that fits. Yeah. And then um, we can bring an update back to the council how how that works. Yeah, I'm just saying, because I've been after this last year, nothing came back at all. So me just asking what didn't go anywhere. I... Well, it was included. It, 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 um, it was part of the hazard mitigation discussion, and and those efforts are still being put together. And uh, coordinated. It's, it's separate. I specifically asked for emergency roundtable like discussion before last summer, and it never came back. So if I have to agendize something, I will. That, that's fine. But again, the the priorities of the council were established as a council. That was not one of them. And so that's why I'm suggesting if we want to have that conversation to go further as part of the goal setting session. We can absolutely do that. So the yeah. recommendation in here is, is it's important, but we're, we're going to have a goal setting session mm -hmm. coming up soon. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I hopefully mean, in the meantime, coming. staff can absolutely can work with staff we, to understand. We, we don't want to shirk our responsibilities right. for for public safety, and so yeah. I think we can sit down with the chiefs and talk about, you know, the specific concerns you have, and then going forward to expand that into something bigger. That's something that I think will absolutely fit, fit very nicely into the conversation that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I just, I just know because in the last year, a lot of things have shifted on the federal level and the state level that most cities aren't tracking about the requirements on putting together EOPs and community, community preparedness. And yeah, I just don't want to get caught with another LNU fire and we actually incur damage, then can't get reimbursement for it. I'm happy to yeah. capitalize on all your experience with that with our chiefs. We'll, we'll sit down and have a conversation. Right, well, yeah, I'll wait for the goal setting session then. Councilmember Wiley. Uh, this is another shout out to the public works. So great job with everything that was going on and on the city staff too, just to make sure that everything was taken care of in a timely manner. So thanks, good job with public works. And it's great to have the agreement with the fire department and shout out to our team at the table with Ken and Jessica and Eddie and the fire team too. So we had a unanimous vote. So it's great that we have that completed. And um, the speaker tonight that did talk about the senior center also talked about the community pool idea or just a community center. And it is something that is needed on the east side of town. We have a billion, not a billion, but we have a lot of projects going and we have more that came up tonight, but I just wanted to say that sounds like a great thing and it has to start somewhere. So you said we would look at, you know, talk about things. So it, it is a great idea. And the people on the east side don't have the amenities that, that, that we want. And so I just wanted to shout that out. So we talked about that earlier. Um, and, I would just ask that the city send out one more announcement or, or see if what we can do to let people know about the safe routes to school deadline that's coming up because we don't want people to miss the opportunity to give their input. And I think January 31st is the end of that. And um, so if I think a lot of people are letting people know in their district, but if they people just need to hear the message. So we get a lot of applications for South safe routes to school. That would be great. So that's my comments for tonight. Councilmember Ritchie. Okay. Um, so I had to tie into um, Councilmember Silva's comments, but uh, I, was, I got like lost. Uh, but one of the things I'll make sure we, we can bring back things about 
about a year ago, I made a mention of a company, a thing. What we want to do, like the comments made here by the family of this, by the possible uh, battery park, we got to make sure things have a, have a community benefit. Now, the solar parks, you know, battery storage, if it's in our community, but the actual community sees no net benefit to it by a reduction of their utilities and their expenses, then you have to have other sweeteners like the sports complex. Um, I mentioned it once before about a year ago and it kind of went away. I want to bring it back and kind of one of Council Silva's um, comments sparked the, the oh yeah reminder. Uh, we got to drive by a complex in Richmond, California, um, put on by CME. I mentioned a year ago about the opportunity to come back. You know, that's a JPA, the way it works. I think we need to educate the community on like what Fairfield's doing, what they're doing in other parts. And that's something that we put in our community that every single resident in Backville will see a net benefit for. So example, how it works, please, I want, I'll love them to come to research that, kind of educate the community on what a JPA would do to actually have an actual benefit to every resident having a reduction in their costs of utilities by solar and the way that kind of works. Um, I want to find ways to move back forward, the bio, the life sciences, mango, we're going the right direction. Let's keep going, but let's also find a way to utilize this technology to lower the cost of living for our residents. Um, so I mentioned it before, so I want to get lost translation and a like for the opportunity for at least the community of Ackerville to see what our neighbors are doing in other places in the Bay Area and having their expenses reduced by utilizing a, a JPA with the city and a power utility source to kind of help them out with inflation high and to take a while to go down. I think people are really cognizant aware of expenses and bills and what can they do to kind of reshift, reallocate funds, but that's something we can do. We can plan accordingly into the future. I, mean, I think letting them come take a exploratory look at our cities as we move the right direction and Don Burr's and his team, they're just killing it with bringing opportunities and really pushing back forward. I think we have a great opportunity to really just kind of be seen as a a small, legitimate city that has really the pulse in the market. So let's, I mean, let's find, let's, let's bring things that don't just land swap, here you go, use our land, and we get this net for, but what are the residents gonna get every single month as a benefit by what we say yes to in this room? So I would like for them to at least have the opportunity or competitor, as you know, as capitalism, to find out what that looks like and let's make a decision let the community know that we had the wherewithal to give them an option. That's it. Well, thank you. Um, just my final comments simply is thank you to staff. I mean, I know you work hard. I've been in, I've been in that side of the, of the council uh, chambers and, and uh, it's a lot of work that goes in there. And there's probably, as I see now, there's a lot of ask that comes from this side, a lot of energy, and uh, it's really trying to put it all together and, interpret it, but I just want to say thank you personally, at least from my position, stepped into retirement. I look forward to working with my colleagues up here on the council and with the city, and uh, we all have the best interests in mind. And I think that's what's going to make this uh, a good season of the council is having good staff and good teamwork. So with that, I'm going to just um, step into the, the next item, which is closed session, but uh, there's three items on closed session tonight. 
So before we go to that, I'm gonna open it up for public comment. Seeing none, I'm gonna close public comment. And I'm going to say good night, Vacaville. And we're gonna move into closed session. There'll be nothing else to report.